everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I am your host, Ben Moore. Today, I am joined by Ian Hink. Hello. And Michael Damiani. Hey, uh, how's it going? Going very well. Question I have for you today. It's been on my mind. What's the first thing you're going to do with a next-gen console? Either... Download Demon Souls. I knew that was going to be your answer. I knew it would be. Yep. And Bloodborne through that PS Plus thing. <laughs> Ooh, the twist is you're going to play both at the same time. Simultaneously. Gonna, Bloodborne with my feet. Yeah. You're going to buy multiple. Because PS4. you're getting both versions, right? You're getting a digital and a physical PS5. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll have to see. I don't. I don't know. At this moment, I'm not married to getting one at launch. So. We'll, we'll see whatever game convinces me to finally buy one. Hopefully, I don't have to wait till Final Fantasy 16. Hopefully, they have something before that. That's just that'll like, be like three years from now. Apparently, <laughs> the report. No, apparently, the report is it is very far along. Yeah, it's coming sooner than everyone expects. That people memeing on it, see it in 2030, are in for a surprise. So I think I heard I uh, 2022 was was a realistic projection. Not heard. Read yeah, I was going to say definitely not le- next. Yeah, year. Yeah, probably not next year. Uh, yeah, but good stuff yeah booting that up and uh seeing uh seeing how it works like the if i get it earlier yeah this is the interface and uh messing around with all the features and stuff putting in a bunch of like older ps4 games seeing how they run probably is the biggest thing i want to try xbox comes out before playstation so the first thing i'm going to do with xbox is play yakuza for sure nice good call definitely yakuza and then Ooh, it might have to be an in-the-moment call. Probably DMC5 Special Edition on PS5 or Demon's Souls or both at the same time, the Ian Hink method. I like that one a lot, yeah. too. So, Wait, what day does uh, Cyberpunk come out? Because if it's before the PS5, then I'll do that on my 3080 that I'll hopefully have by The then. true next-gen console. The true next-gen <laughs> console <laughs> PC. Yeah. Uh, I forget Cyberpunk's date. Because it I keeps coming for seventeenth. Yeah, it might be November seventeenth. Uh, uh, it's currently November nineteenth, I think. Nineteenth. Okay. okay. So it's yeah. well, we'll see if my if my PS five gets delayed from Amazon because of that. You might not get this email because you got the date <laughs> wrong, Ian. You can't play Cyberpunk. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my loss. Yep. I guess. <laughs> if you just want to give Them's... that thirty eighty to me, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Them's the rules. Yeah. I'll just ship my entire computer to you. <laughs> yeah great <laughs> cool uh if you could do that before Baldur's gate 3 comes out into early access which is being constantly delayed uh yeah let's talk about games i was actually just playing this on stream uh, and i got farther than i ever had uh and ian i know you've been playing it a little bit and that is hades oh yeah kind of the new hotness right now and rightfully so i think it's weird because it's the new hotness that's been out for like a year and a half right. <laughs> right. in early access. I think that's encouraging, though, that it's been in early access for so long and it feels like now it has more momentum than ever now that it's out of early yeah. access. Coming out on that switch will do that to you. Yeah. Is that what a lot yeah. of people are playing it on? Because I've been playing it on PC and I know that the switch. I got version. it on my switch. Okay. Yeah. How has that been for you? It's been great. Hmm. It it works really well. I. uh I've played it docked and undocked, and I didn't see any real problems or difference. So, yeah. We're going to be talking about a, a couple of games with incredible art styles. And boy, Super Giant uh, knows what the hell they're doing. Like, yeah. when you get to a new area for the first time, just sort of basking in its glow, it's great. 
they're it's definitely like the super giant style, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I really like that style. Yeah. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. I also think I, I really like like their past games. I've had like little tiny nitpicks with like controls or like uh, framing of the narrative or something. And this one so far, I have no problems at all with that kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like the controls are really tight and they work really well. The weapons seem to introduce different enough play styles that it's kind of interesting. I'm still using the main sword. I unlocked the bow, but I didn't really like it. Yeah. And then I uh, didn't really like the bow either. Yeah. I'm I'm sure everything is good once you kind of get used to it, but Yeah. Well, the bow like changes what kind of game it is. Mm -hmm. It felt like I'm like I'm not good at that kind of like twin stick shooter sort of vibe, so I'm just not going to do this. You know what's really good? The shield. If you haven't tried the shield. Really? Yeah. I haven't unlocked that yet. Yeah. I feel like the shield is kind of one of those weapons where you're like, ah, oh, I don't know, that doesn't seem very cool. But uh, just being able to throw it and then putting boons on the throw that do like additional damage is really, really nice. Like I, I basically became like this range. Captain America is basically what I became. I had like doom <laughs> on my shield. I would throw it at somebody and then it would be a couple of seconds and then they would take a bunch of doom damage. and It was really satisfying. And those those boons only last for that run, right? Yes. Like, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yep. That's what that's what. And I so each run, you you're kind of like, it sort of feels like filling out a character sheet where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, what what direction do I want to take this character? And of course, the boons are randomized, and you know, different gods focus on different things. Um, but actually, that's a that's a question that I want to ask you. There's a lot to learn in Hades, um, both like what boons work well together, what the different currencies do, how the weapons function. How, how are you uh, enjoying or not enjoying the learning process? I, I was at first um, put off a little bit by it mm. um, before I kind of just like readjusted my mindset. Cause like at first I was like, I don't, I don't know which door to take. I don't know what these symbols mean, you know? And then I realized like, oh, that's the point. You're like learning as you go. Yeah. And and because I then realized that, you know, I readjusted where the stakes were of every run, you know? Because at first I was like, well, if I choose wrong, that's going to be devastating or something. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. So just go and learn. And now, yeah, knowing like, okay, that's an Athena boon or whatever, uh will be useful right now because i don't have anything on my cast spell you know right. whatever it is or like oh that's a charon room so that means that the boss is probably behind that but i need healing anyway so let's do that you know that kind of stuff so i think that the learning curve has been cool and with a roguelike roguelite i guess like this um i like that kind of stuff because it keeps you curious and keeps you coming back right. and like the slow progression of your kind of like home base has been has been cool so far i I'm, I'm not nearly as far it sounds like as you are well excuse me in it i've 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 gotten to the first boss gotcha um the first actual boss not like the first little mini boss like tw two or three times i haven't beaten her yet i, I got her close but <laughs> this was this was the first time so today on stream today was the first time i got i Fin I beat the second area today, and I'd say it was the first time that happened. And then I got to the boss of the third area and got stopped. Wow. Um, and it was heartbreaking because, like, I just couldn't get any health going into the boss. So I, I think I went in with, like, 
somewhere around like 28 or health or something. Oh boy. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what it was, or maybe it just felt that way, I guess. Um, but I, I think the thing that I want to commend Supergiant for the most is they're, they're, they've kind of mastered because you mentioned in that feeling of discovery and how important that is for these games. And I feel like that's absolutely true but there are times I feel like where you can go too far and it's just like, uh, I don't want to like have to look up everything or like, right. I, I don't understand anything that's happened to me. And Hades doesn't really fall into that problem. We mentioned it being an early access for a while and I've checked it out like in fits and starts a couple of times. And even going into today's stream, I was like, I don't remember what this does. I don't remember what that does, but you get like a new currency or something one time, or you go into a door one time and you're like, Oh, okay this is the shop icon, or this is a thing that will upgrade one of your abilities. Like it, it feels mysterious, but it doesn't stay mysterious for very long. And I think that is super important in getting the hooks in you. And maybe even more important than that is this game is just extremely bright and colorful and the enemies are extremely bright and colorful, but considering how much is going on. And I mean, especially in some of the later rooms, when you have tons of enemies, projectiles and stuff, I always get really worried in a game like this that it's going to be hard to figure out what's going on. And there's a little bit of that. But for the most part, things are colored or signified to you in such a way that you pretty much know what's happening to you at all times. Like there are these sniper guys and they shoot really fast and that would be annoying and cheap, but you have this little reticule on you. Uh, when they're targeting you. And so it's like, okay, I, I know they're coming after me. And I feel like there's so many different tells that you can kind of point to that accomplish the same thing. And so it actually, for for as chaotic as it gets, it's a lot more clear than I would expect, I think. Yeah, and as you upgrade to get like the double dash and stuff, like you're able to react and handle those situations way better. Mm-hmm. And, and the tells help. But yeah, there are definitely times where like some big guys coming at you, some crystals are shooting laser beams at you. And then something, somebody's throwing like projectiles at you. The, the thing I miss the most often are the projectiles, the like timed mines that blow up a second later, mm. or like the fireballs that the first mini boss skeleton twins throw at you. Like those are the ones that get me because I don't notice that they're procced or whatever. Oh, sure. Um, but, you know, of course, that's just part of the learning curve and you right. just have to learn to look out for it. And, yeah, it's part of the fun. The things I struggle with the most is there are the, these pink enemies later on that shoot like little tiny butterflies at you. And I initially yeah. was having a hard time seeing the butterflies because they're small. They Dude, are very bright. It, but... Why is it always the insect things that do it? Remember Diablo 3? <laughs> like there's a thing that shoots like wasps at you and those wasps hit you for like... 80% of your health sometimes, I feel like. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know what it is with with the butterflies, but they just, they get me pretty consistently. <laughs> um, oh, I want to talk about the boons. I want to circle back to that because I, I actually think the boons are really interesting um, because there, there is, you know, stuff that you would expect where it's like, hey, if you select this option, your damage will increase. But a lot of the boons are are 
creative enough that I feel like they change the way that you play the game, but they're not yeah. so out there that it's like, okay, this isn't fun anymore where it's like, okay, if you do a dash attack, you'll do more damage or when you dash, you'll leave this thing behind. And so you kind of have to like account for that and, and, and change your rhythm to adapt for it. I got this really cool one that I wasn't able to use effectively, but I thought it was cool where when I caught my shield on the way back, it would do like an AOE. And it's like, oh, oh. that's really creative. My f One of the ones I got that I really liked was like a Poseidon one that when you finish a dash, it does an AOE that pushes things away and damages them a little mm. bit. And that really changed my play style because I would, you know, dash into groups to like clear them and then focus one after that and stuff. It, it, yeah, I like the way you phrased it. Like, I've had other abilities where things start at the front of the dash. So you, right. you dash away and I've had some like cast abilities that put a cloud somewhere. So you like try to hit a bunch of people and then other abilities that just hit like one. Yeah. I, I it feels like a different play style every time you go out, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah, definitely. And I think the enemy compositions are really pretty great as well. I mean, nothing, I think when you, say it on its own it's like it's not like oh i've never seen that before in a game but they they combine in pretty interesting ways and so like there are these there are these gems that can make everybody else invincible and so it's like oh. Oh, okay i have to specifically go after them at the start of combat or um those archers that i was mentioning they can like when you kill them they turn into like these little eyeballs and then if you don't kill the eyeballs they'll resurrect and so that oh. definitely creates a sense of panic uh and Every attack feels so good. Uh, it's always difficult describing game feel, but yeah, every individual swing has something to it that kind of makes it feel powerful. I think the fact that you can like kind of knock guys around and knock them into walls and and do that sort of stuff uh, adds a lot of it as well. Like it's not there's there's a physicality to the combat that I really like quite a bit. I agree. And and it does it without, you know, my least favorite way of doing that in games is like pausing stuff. Like when things like freeze for a second to make it look like it's having impact. Oh, sure. Really, really don't like that in games. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one doesn't do that, at least not in a way that's noticeable. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Maybe it's. Yeah. Game feel of impact is always such a weird thing because it's a combination of so many tiny, minuscule little things like sound and slight screen shake and like particle effects and things. Right. Uh, flashing the enemy, you know, like tiny combinations of all the right stuff in the right amounts make it feel great. And then you just dial one of them slightly too far and it just makes the whole game feel off. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think part of the feeling comes from how fast everything moves. I mean, yeah, you're expected to be constantly attacking and dodging. And so um, it the, the speed, it's almost like the inverse of of a, of a Souls game where I feel like the physicality comes from how methodical a lot of it is. This is kind of the opposite where it's just it's just chaos and, and like you're just moving on instinct a lot of times. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's like Bloodborne kind of more sure. than a Souls. Um. You know, Supergiant, known for the narration in the games, I, I think they made a lot of smart decisions. This is something you already touched on, Ian, but they made a lot of smart decisions here with how they present the story. Like, it would be super annoying if your character, like, if there was narration 
constantly during battles. And it's like, okay, well, I'm really glad that they didn't do this. And how they incorporate the personalities of the gods into the boons that you're picking up make them so much more exciting than if you just hit the button and a menu popped up like it that that little bit of flair goes a long way and so i feel like they really took their game and figured out like okay what are the best places for us to kind of insert some world building and they they don't overdo it like i never feel like i'm just sitting there listening to somebody for a long time it's just really in the edges uh in a smart way and they do well i love when when I can never remember how to pronounce the main guy's name, but um, I forgot his name I, too. I, it's like Z- Zegris or something. Yeah, but uh, I wanted to say Zach, but that's it's clearly not right. <laughs> it's definitely not yeah. that. Um, but I really like it when he responds to the narrator. Like, I hear you, old man. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but yeah, something that they did that was really smart. They, um, because like right off the bat, every time you get a boon from one of the gods on Olympus the main guy, Zach will be like, uh, you know, like I accept this message from Olympus, blah, 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 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is going to get old. And then I started like skipping through it, but then second or third run, the game started skipping that, mm-hmm. you know, just little tiny touches like that quality of life stuff, uh, that they did really well. Yeah. yeah. Cause now then, now it'll just go straight into the message. Yeah. I mean, just even your, you're like targeting dummy before you do a run, how, how he's <laughs> developed into his own, you know, pretty charming character as well. Yeah. Which is neat. And it's nice to have like an actually compelling narrative in a roguelike, mm. like, uh, you know, I really like rogue legacy, but you know, I would just kind of mash through that. I wouldn't read that stuff that you find the yeah. journal entries and stuff. Whereas this is like, I just had like a dream sequence where I learned some like shocking truths about my past, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's, you know, that's interesting, you know? So yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's just that the, the performances and the art just make it so much more captivating than mm-hmm. just purely text-based entries for sure. Yeah. I really like it. Um, it's, Interesting because I, I I was actually streaming two games. So I was streaming bullets per minute and then I was doing Hades as well. And I I reached I got farther than I had in a run in bullets per minute and I just set it down and I was like, I don't want to play this anymore because I'm a little bit crushed that I have to, you know, start over and kind of go through all that again. And Hades is interesting because I think that feeling definitely exists. Like you're, you're pretty bummed out when you die, but when you go back to base, I I feel like there's usually something you can do. Like, yeah. You know, whether that's like just spending your purple gems or unlocking a new weapon. And maybe that changes the more that you play it. But I, I think that sense of like not having it be completely, well, you lost start over, nothing changes. Um, it feels like even when you fail, you are you're doing something. You're moving forward in some way. And I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damiani, do you have any experience with Super Giant games? Do you do you play Bastion or Transistor or Pyre or anything like that? Nope. Uh, all I know is the uh, the Bastion narrator. Yeah. <laughs> the the so you you talked about the 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 story. I was actually gonna ask about like the voice work. Mm-hmm. You know, if you thought it was pretty good or just 
how he felt it was yeah yeah the main guy zach is really good and uh all the all the gods are really good it is funny though because the the bastion narrator is a voice and it's just like you just hear it immediately and you're like oh hey Uh, hey bastion guy and that's you know it's kind of a hallmark of theirs and so that makes sense um but i i definitely had that moment where it, it it felt like i wasn't playing Hades specifically, it was like I was playing a super giant game and this thing has to be there. Does that make sense? The SGCU. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think the voice work is fantastic overall. Would you agree with that, Ian? Yeah, it's real good. Nice. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I don't know what else there is to say about Hades. Do you have any, uh, any closing thoughts? I, so I guess, Ian... I, I was making the case that when you, my cat is biting my keys, by the way. And so if you see me do something <laughs> weird, he's just like biting my control key. So I don't know why he's never done this before. All right, but don't do that. Don't bite the control key, please. Yeah. All right. What was my question? My question was Ian, <laughs> uh, you mentioned like getting to the first boss. Would you agree that like when you die there, that you feel motivated to continue or the opposite of that is it like okay you know that was my run i feel good about it time to put it away because i think both can be effective i i definitely i haven't felt like dejected so far but i'm definitely not like crazy to just keep playing this for hours and hours Mm -hmm. like i'll do three or four runs and then be like okay i'm good for now i'll play it in another couple of days or something um with the first boss, I was like, I can tell I can do it. Yeah. You know, like, so I'm, I'm pretty sure one or two more tries and I'll get her. So yeah, that's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I really liked the way that you described that because when I got to the third boss, it was funny. Cause like everyone in chat was like, Oh, I guess the run's over. Like they were just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is really hard. And it, and it is really hard but I had that same feeling, Ian, where yeah. I died and I was like, I bet I could beat this. Like, I bet I bet like I, I figured out just enough that I, I'm pretty sure I could beat this. And that is a really hard thing to do, especially in games like this, um, because I, I feel like sometimes when you hit those walls in these super difficult games, you're like, I don't even know what to do there. Like, I, right, I died right. so fast that I didn't see any of the attacks. Um I didn't really learn anything. And I, I have not had that sensation here in the same way. And like, I, f- I feel like the skeleton twins as the first, like little mini boss um, are a good teacher because the first time I fought them, I got, you know, I lost. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I won and now they're like a piece of cake. Yeah. They're not even a problem. Mm-hmm. And so that is really encouraging. And I can tell that, when I get more skilled and if I upgrade a little bit, um, I don't even think the upgrades probably will have that big of a factor, but once I've beaten the first boss, I think I'll be able to consistently do it again. But all that said, this is the kind of game like rogue legacy too, or as well. haven't played two yet, but, um, it's quite good. They're just the kinds. Yeah, it looks cool. They're just the kinds of games that I assume I'll never beat, Mm. you know, or I just like, so I don't have any pressure on myself. I don't really care if I win or not. Um, 
which makes it more fun and I don't get frustrated. Whereas like a Souls game, it's like, I am going to see the end of this. And so like getting stuck on Lawrence or something, uh, you know, gets really intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ian, I, I feel like I kind of had that same mindset to some degree um, because I remember Splunky 1 uh, feeling yeah. that way where it's just like... Another game I assume I'll never Yeah, be. where I... <laughs> I really enjoyed Spelunky one and I played a really good bit of it, but I just, I just wasn't that good at it. I, I got, I think the furthest I got was the caves and it's funny playing Spelunky two because during that stream I got to six one and then I went back to Spelunky one and I'm like, Spelunky one is a piece of cake compared to two. Like maybe, maybe that's not true. And I've just convinced myself of that, but I feel like I've, I've broken through a mental barrier and I've done well enough where it's like, okay, I think I can do this. Um, huh. And it's just, it's interesting how that happened. Uh, that like playing a sequel to a game that I felt that way changed my whole mindset. Yeah. So, uh, who's to say? Who's to say? I would really like to do Splunky 2 co-op with you guys to see how far we oh get. Oh my God, if it ever works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was yeah, a huge I, I'm dying to do that. I think it'll be so much fun. Uh, but Damiani. Speaking of difficult games, you got to play for the very first time Dark Souls 3 with Michael Huber. Oh. Yeah, yep. This is a treat for Ian so, as well. Yeah. Right. Uh, this, uh, this past week, Huber decided uh, to take me through Dark Souls 3. So we attempted to play through co-op. Uh, yeah. So this is the, outside of boss encounters, this is the first time playing a significant portion of any Soulsborne game with co-op through like the level parts. So this was this was an interesting. It was a fun experience because it's got to see how it makes me wish. So I, I won't even get into the argument of like difficulty in Souls games. It doesn't that I don't. I'm not bothered by it. By it I but I'm all for accessibility. Mm-hmm. I do want to say, man, the 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 way they handle co-op in that game made it a little frustrating at points. But I mean, we made it. We managed to make it work. But I just, the reason I'm arguing for maybe making it easier for co-op is I had such a good time playing with Huber, mm. yet it still felt like we were just like, could die to anything. It didn't ruin anything about the game to us. In fact, we, every time we, we summon, uh, I would summon Huber, Huber summoned me, someone would always invade our game too. So we're having to deal with invasions, we're having to deal with like, even with Huber giving warnings about stuff, still getting obliterated by certain things and dying a lot. Uh classic moments of like whoops i rolled off an edge i'm dead here <laughs> i'm gonna kill this enemy whoops i missed now he got me uh it was it felt really good because it was, i've only played through dark souls i've only played through bloodborne i have not touched i had not touched dark souls 2 i never touched dark souls 3 before this and i had very played a very minimal amount of demon souls before this and Dark Souls 3 felt really good to play and i want to say like the co-op felt really in enjoyable to the point, I wish they would just make a dedicated co-op mode, hmm. uh, just to make it like easier or something like that. Because, like, I don't know, can they even have two people invade you at the same time in co-op? I think it's you can have, what is it, three friends or two friends and one invader and then one blue spirit. I think it's like maximum six, but the combination is gets weird with all the different covenants and stuff. Yeah, we, uh, Huber kept saying he wished like we could do 2v2, like another invader would be allowed, mm-hmm. and he made it seem like it just wasn't possible. You, but- you can, I think, but you have to get, like, and I don't remember the exact covenants for three, but, like, 
you have to get weird where like mm. one person's invading because of covenant a and one person's invading because they just invaded you and then yeah you can have like two or two or three friends i don't remember and then yeah, maybe even another invader please refer i think there's in the f- to the dark souls 3 well, flowchart yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the like, well was- i remember i remember <laughs> in when i was playing dark souls 3 there's a, a forest um area and if you're in that covenant you can do like insane pvp and i remember there being like six people at a time in there and like everybody's Dang. fighting everybody and everybody was like different factions and like one person would be blue and one person was red one person's gray one person's white or whatever uh it, this is you know when it came out so my memory's pretty foggy on it but it's possible i i hate that feeling because it's like yeah i played through all of dark souls 3 i don't remember <laughs> what the conditions are at all i think playing through all yeah. of the souls games actually makes it harder to remember like what, well, that's what i was gonna say because exactly. i was just going I'm, I'm i'm just replaying dark souls 2 mm-hmm. and i've got like a, a dlc and a half left to go before i've finished everything you know and like i love dark souls 2 by the way i would love to see you play dark souls 2 damiani because the hitboxes are <laughs> egregious <laughs> oh no it would be so uh, funny yeah. to watch you that's play already dark that's souls. already a souls specialty right there is hitbox <laughs> dark souls 2 egregious is definitely, hitboxes we, we have a dark new souls show 2 is definitely the <laughs> yes. called hit detection starting oh with my god and dark souls 2 Damiani just that's the whole show yeah. <laughs> okay game uh, yeah. okay but sorry Ben back to your point Damian about the the co-op it's an interesting thing that you bring up because I I, I think I, I totally see what you're saying and I think you're right that playing co-op with somebody is so enjoyable I think a huge reason why it's so enjoyable though is because of all the variables that can happen like I I love the emotion that kind of comes from the randomness because sometimes and obviously it's going to be different with Huber, right, where you're you're there yeah. talking to each other. But like just times when you're like, oh, man, I'm really struggling on this boss and you summon somebody and you get that hope in you and you're like, <laughs> all right, I've got somebody like we're going to do this. And you go in there and they die within like <laughs> immediately. immediately within seconds. They're gone. And you're like, I guess I'm on my own. And you just feel that that intense despair. Um, but then it feels so good when you then beat it with the the co-op life pool, which is crazy. The worst yeah. for me is when you summon someone and they're like carrying you. Yeah. Uh, and then they die right near the end. Right. And then you almost get the boss and then you die. Yeah. That's happened to I dude. Let me know. I want to jump in with you and Huber. That sounds like so. A we're blast. gonna be playing it again this coming week because uh, we're gonna do the WoW pre patch isn't happening for another two weeks. So we will be resuming on Wednesday. So ne- this next Wednesday. So absolutely, we could have some of the you or anyone else wants to jump in and maybe even mess with us or something. Oh my god! So this is this is yeah. hilarious. We oh. had someone invade our you game who was me. a chat viewer, but they were there to help us. So they they couldn't <laughs> enter. They couldn't enter the boss arena with us, but they. Were we're going around hitting all the enemies with us and this is like red and silhouette soul just coming along helping out i didn't know that red invaders could interact with the enemies apparently they can because they were helping us fight we just have I to worry about can, friendly fire you know with them i guess they can hit the enemies maybe but the enemies can't hurt them see that's weird. i think that's one of the best decisions that souls has made where like I feel like a lot of its systems, specifically when we're talking about like co-op and invasions, are loosely defined enough that the community can kind of like make its own rules. And you see that with like kind of like 
unwritten PvP rules or how people interact yeah. with each other in kind of creative ways. Like, I love that the flexibility is there to do that stuff. Like, hearing that an invader just helped you on stream yeah. is a really cool story. <laughs> I love the um, unofficial dueling grounds that crop up in all the Souls mm. games. Like, this is where you do duels. Yeah. And, like, like, in Dark Souls 1, the forest was where you did, like, dirty, nasty <laughs> duels. And, like, uh, the furnace or whatever... Uh, was where you do like honorable duels and like if someone I remember back in the day like if someone didn't bow first you knew they were like they, they were no good and so they were gonna like or like cheaters not cheaters but like you know dirty dirty dealers um, so you're like alright I'll use Estus now like you didn't bow you know like <laughs> nah. all, this all, is all rules are off yeah this is your fault I want to join the yeah. the dirty nasty covenant. Like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> what are the rewards? There? <laughs> the dirty nasty. Yeah, I know. I know. So many people enjoy multi or sorry PvP duels in in the Souls games. But gosh, just being a, it'd been a long time since I had done it, and the rolling around crap. I was just like, I don't. I was like, this is so annoying. Ever rolling around. I'm like, I'm hit, I'm swinging at you, but you're rolling, so you're invincible. I'm like, I hate you. Uh, then like frames. them running like Huber and I trying to like tag team somebody, but then like they get away, they heal, and it's like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's the 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 rolling around thing. I, I know that's like part of the bread and butter, but it so doesn't make it any less frustrating. Also, people that was being uh, I was being informed that it, it there is a rank like a level matching system, so someone has to be within your level range, but you can get around that <laughs> because it only it only restricts your character level there's no such thing as gear level in this game so if you get to the end of the game at low level and get high level gear you can come back to the beginning and fight people with like high-end gear and wreck people them, do that which yeah, is what some of this mage looking dude with a flame sword and like this magic spell and like this thing just like wreck both of us in like five seconds like we're like what i mean i know you're having fun like, griefing but man this is a uh... <laughs> i love <laughs> well, i mean and hate yeah. <laughs> like people live for that man where they're yep. like all right i'm gonna get to this whole i'm gonna play through this game in such a way where i could grief as hard as possible and that's like can you their mission can you use a soul vessel for that like could you level up really high get to the end of the game easily get all the good stuff and then do a soul vessel or whatever the hell it's called and respec and then just like stop at level 15 <laughs> I'm not. Sh I'm not sure. I'm not um, sure. Uh, I wonder. Yeah. I don't remember how it works. But I mean, it, it, it's 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 there. Obviously, you can it, it, you can turn it off, but you cannot turn it off if you do co-op. Though that was the one thing I was saying to Huber. It's like these are fun, but like I want let, let's make some progress here. So can we, can we like disable invasions for just a little while so we can like because we had people watching the stream that kept wanting to invade us. Invade us. It's like oh my gosh, we're getting nowhere. And of course, every time we die, I have to go resummon human. It costs embers when we when both of us die to uh. to resummon. And there there's a finite amount at the beginning. Very rare at the beginning at least and we were getting worried about man we need to get to like the next bonfire which also real quick uh crosses into an issue about the co-op about how they ho how they handle progression only the lead host gets progression so huber started a new character uh we progressed to the beginning of the high wall beat that first uh first boss and then planted the flag and then we had to go back and do that again because I could not summon Huber in the new area because his character had not made it that far. So we basically had to go back and forth. 
that can seem frustrating, but at the same time, going through a second time, we just knew everything. We we're just like wrecking everything running through. It's that it was like kind of a rewarding feeling to be like, this is no longer intimidating anymore. Going through this part where we mm-hmm. were like very careful, very methodical, having Huber bait people to like ledge it, like a ledge where I could leap from above and hit them so we could cheese things, uh, trying to like stun lock things by alternating attacks. It was. It, it, it was definitely worth a co-op, but it, it, it is intriguing they made that decision that there's no way to share progress. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's not meant to be a co-op yeah. game. Like, it's it's meant to, ha- like, you try it on your own and then you get a helper if you need one kind of a game. Yeah. I got that vibe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do kind of appreciate, though, that, again, t- speaking of that flexibility, you could kind of turn it into whatever game you want, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if you just want to be like, this is my griefing game, you can you can do that. Um, and Damian, I, I mean, it's it's a it's a common point that is said about souls, but. It really is so remarkable, like I, I immediately go to Dark Souls one, I can't even tell you the number of times I've been through Undead Berg, but I never get sick of it. Right. Like it's it's not even challenging really anymore, but just the way that it's designed it feels fresh and exciting every single time because like just where the enemies are placed and how it's like an interesting problem to solve or you're trying some new character or, or something like it just, the way that it scales with, and you, like you were saying you were enjoying it with playing it with a friend. I think that's, that's so remarkable about the series where it's like, whether I'm experiencing something for the first time alone or I'm going through it the hundredth time with a friend, like this is designed well enough that I'm having a good time regardless. And I, I, I think that's what makes it such a remarkable series. That's a good point. And one thing I want to add to that, for anyone who thinks that maybe expanded co-op is a detractor, there is a there was definitely parts. I mean, I, I've obviously played through Dark Souls and, and Bloodborne, and so I, I, I don't really feel I need to rely on the crutch of co-op, but I will say this to its defense, there were moments when I had to, like, Huber wanted to catch up and was behind. Uh, I was just like, I'm not waiting. I'm going. Like, I, I, like that, that sense of I want to go ahead on my own. Like, it, it, like, encouraged me. And I was finding myself overwhelmed by that sense of, no, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go out and do this. I feel like if you give more people that opportunity, it might actually ease more people into, okay, I'm, I'm ready to now challenge this on my own. I'm ready. Like, I get Souls games. Uh, it, it makes sense. I've gotten over that initial hurdle. I, 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 I just wanted to point that out, that uh, even someone who had played them solo before, I got that sense from that. I'm like, wow, that that's really powerful feeling mm. to have, honestly. Yeah, that 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 hunger to push ahead is very powerful. I The reason why I'm smiling is that is a thing you do that I've noticed. I haven't played that many games with you, but there have been a couple of times where I feel like we're playing multiplayer games and it's like, oh, where's Damiani? And it's like, oh, Damiani's like halfway across the map. <laughs> like he's he's, he's a damn just, lone wolf. Yeah, man. he is. You're, you're a lone wolf. Yeah, I don't I don't fully grasp. So I don't always grasp in some multiplayer games that you are gonna like it doesn't even it's not even the meta just like the basics of the basics if you go off on your own you are putting your group at a disadvantage because it's usually better to stay together because you just have so much tactical advantage and i also recognize that in in the souls games but yeah this in this instance specifically 
I was like, no, this game is like, they want me to go on by myself. I should be able to like do this alone. And I want to have, uh, I know we're playing this co-op, but I want to have a little bit of an experience of I'm going ahead into the unknown by myself mm-hmm. without Huber saying what's going to happen or give like saying like, spoiler alert, dude, I can't wait to see you. See, or like he said, like, here comes a troll part with uh, the part where the archer shoots those big ass arrows down at you in the, the, the village part uh, early oh. on in the game. Uh, so you're just like walking along and you see a bunch of arrows and some enemies impaled in these giant, like, they're like stakes. And all yeah, of a sudden you hear this giant archer. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you just like get blown back by the first shot. You're like, what? And he was like, he gave me a heads up. So I'm like, okay, something's going to happen. So I should probably keep sprinting. So I didn't get one shot by it. I just got knocked over and I'm like, oh, I just got to keep moving. And so stuff like that, I could see how co-op might potentially diminish that mm. but at the same yeah. time it didn't make it any less exhilarating uh it was still like an intense sequence for sure um you mentioned having played through bloodborne and dark souls one obviously both very highly regarded games how did you find in in comparison to those games the, the i guess the way combat felt level design boss encounters all of that stuff i mean was was this reaching the same highs for you as those other games. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised at how I was getting a feeling that was in between what I felt for Dark Souls and Bloodborne. And uh, I think the biggest testament to how sold I was on 3, uh, whatever preconceptions I had going in, uh, I'm a believer in it now, is that when I realized we might not be playing it again for a while because we're about to jump into the the whole wow new leveling system and stuff because of the, for the new expansions for Shadowlands, I was like, man, it's gonna be a while before I can play this again. If we want to do this again, I kind of I'm kind of bummed about that. I kind of wanted to play this next week again, mm. and now we're getting that opportunity. I'm like, yes, I want to play more Dark Souls three. Uh, there's very they're very good about des- the level design, environment design. So v- they always have the, your usual tricks. The placing enemy placement is so meticulously planned out to 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 push you at points. Um, hit like hiding enemies behind certain wall or behind a corner behind some boxes where they pop out at you or just like you drop down into a room and there's a ton of enemies even with co-op there are a few rooms where there's so many enemies I was just like Jesus we're gonna get wrecked here aren't we and he would be like okay slow down dude like slow down like there's a lot of enemies ahead like we're gonna get wrecked and stuff like even the most basic enemy still can feel threatening in that game under certain situations, which is such a, a testament to the the, the, the the environment design they could do there. Yeah. And they looked great, the environments. To your point, I always think about um, Dark Souls 1 and like the basic undead enemies, right? How most of the time they're simple, but they have that one attack where they'll just continually slash and like you'll just get caught off guard and they'll destroy you. And it's like, ah, that's, that's smart. You're never, you're never completely safe. Um. But Ian Hink, ah, you have been a champion of and continue to play Sea of Thieves. Yeah, well, Sophia really likes it too, so we played a lot together. But it just came out with a new update where they added dogs. Ooh, um, that's exciting! And they added a new quest type for the gold hoarders, where you—it's pretty cool. You get a compass that like Jack Sparrow's compass in Pirates of the Caribbean uh, you don't know where you're going it just points at stuff and then you go and the compass is pointing at pieces of a map Um, and so I think there could be five pieces total 
sometimes you get lucky and like the X and enough of the island that you need to go to are uh, on the first mm. piece. Like one one of them we did, we got that. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, uh, that's like dagger tooth or whatever. And well, it wouldn't be that, whatever, it doesn't matter. That's this island and we have the X and you can, you actually get a commendation for doing it with just one piece of map. Oh. But then, yeah, you collect enough map to know which island you have to go to and where the X is. You go and you dig that, and then that says voyage complete. You open the, you get a chest, and there's a vault key in it. So that's the actual end of that, that official quest that you got and like you know put on the counter and voted for. But if you take that vault key to the island that it says on the key, and look for a little place, a little square indentation to put the key on. It opens the secret door in the side of the island, and then you go down, and another door is there, and then that door opens on a timer, and I think you've got three minutes, and you go in, and there's a puzzle. You have to find three medallions, see which three symbols show up, put those symbols on columns, and then the fourth column is a mixture of all three, and then that's the like ultimate chest. But otherwise, there are a whole bunch of chests and baubles and opulent curios and gold piles in there. So the strategy that we do is I do the medallions and the puzzle while Sophia and whoever else is on our crew pulls all the treasure chests out Mm. and stuff. And you just put them outside the door because when the timer is up, the door slams and the room starts filling with water. Oh, no. (laughs) And whoever's in there can't get out. You're dead. So what you do is you you intentionally have someone stay on the outside and then everyone else is in there getting gold once the water is coming because there are piles of gold and they take a while to pick up. Uh, and then you just start running the chests up. And it's like 20, 30 chests. It's insane. Like you get so much gold and rep from doing these. Now that's a haul. They're really fun. Yeah, they're really fun. And um, how, how long does it take to, to do something like this? <laughs> from... From getting bless you, Excuse from me. getting the compass to clearing out the vault, it's I want to say less than an hour. Okay. Um maybe 30, 40 minutes. Um not it's not yeah, it's like the right amount of time. And you do all the you do the dig for treasure at the X thing, you that gold hoarders missions usually give you um plus this cool new extra activity, and then you end up with a bunch of stuff similar to a fort but you don't have to do a fort and so far we haven't gotten griefed um because every time we've tried to do a fort someone comes in and kills us right at the end and steals all the stuff oh no Um, because like everybody can see that the fort has been defeated Mm. so like they just wait for you to do it um we did get griefed the other day when we were playing it because we got our emissary flag to five and then immediately someone bl- was hiding on our ship and they blew it up and stole the fl- actually i don't even think they stole the flag they just might have been a coincidence whatever it doesn't matter but um yeah it's fun the dogs are cool they're cute the problem with them is do they i mean they pee everywhere okay do, do they uh, benefit you at all when you're oh the the pets are just cosmetic sure. they're just fun mm. but they like dan- they all i have a parrot sophia has a monkey there are dogs, but they like dance and stuff when you play music and they'll like take naps and they'll move around on the ship and stuff. The monkey constantly scares everyone because he's like sl- he's big enough and they have names that float above them. So like her monkey's named Maurice and like so um, we all will be doing something that happens to all of us. Suddenly you'll think some player character named Maurice is like on the ship um, and you'll be like, oh, God, and it's like, oh, wait, it's just Maurice. 
Um, but the dogs, the one, the one reason I didn't buy one, and a few, I noticed a few other streamers and stuff have said this too, that when you shoot guns near them, like all the animals, like the bird will start squawking and stuff. Oh no! And the monkey will be like, bah, you know. But the dogs look so convincingly frightened and sad by the loud bang. Like if you've ever seen a dog around fireworks, yeah. they get oh, all yeah. nervous and scared. Cats do as um, well. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's they do that when you fire a gun near the dog, and it's just too real, and I can't handle it. <laughs> so I oh. couldn't get a dog because they're you know you have to shoot. Well, no that that's that's gonna change the way that you play. Now you're you're a total pacifist. Let's see if these. Yeah, you're a can't total pacifist. <laughs> Ian, it has been really hard to pay attention to you, not because of anything that you're doing, but I swear, like either it's there's like a helicopter that is just like it feels like it's circling above my apartment and like I, it just won't go away. And I don't know if like, it's probably the cops. Yeah, man. Probably the same one that was hovering around Bloodworth last night when we're recording the uh, easy allies podcast. Is, he had this happen to, it is so I can't hear annoying. it at all. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I hope it's yeah not, I can't hear it at all. Up, but it's just like, it, it feels like it's right by my head and it's really freaking me out. <laughs> So I read I, I read about why police helicopters do that, like why they circle and they don't just sit still because it's like it's a helicopter. You can just sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently the reason is several fold. Uh, one is because they're so low that um, they need to keep speed going so that if if something goes wrong, they have enough speed to like glide to a stop. And if they were just hovering, they wouldn't be able to do that. Um, and then the other reason is like, because if it was just sitting in one spot, it would be like horribly loud constantly instead of intermittently. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's happening. It, it seems to have calmed down now. I don't want to jinx myself, but it was like it would happen and then it would go away for a few seconds and then it would come back. So it definitely seemed like laps or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I'm just trying to listen to see if these talk. Now my, my cat is yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the joys of trying to record stuff at home. I don't think yeah, I, I don't yeah. think the audience knows this. I don't think you guys know this as well. But a while back, I did a cyberpunk preview, and Blood and I had to restart it like two or three times because my cats were just chasing each other, screaming, and it was like Blood, I can't <laughs> give you detailed impressions of oh, these games no. because I have <laughs> wild creatures running around my <laughs> apartment. Like, hold on, and then they would stop, and I'd be like, Okay, Blood, I think we're good now. And then we started recording. As soon as we started recording, it was like some sort of trigger inside of them. Uh, but yes, I, I apologize. I, I don't mean to interrupt your sea of thieves talk. It has just been. I think I I think I touched on everything anyway. Okay. So we can be done with sea of thieves. <laughs> well, no, I had a, I had a question of you because whenever we play uh, sea of thieves on the group stream, I actually end up having a really good time. And it's a blast. Yeah. I kind of go through this process where I'm like, I really want to play sea of thieves. And I start playing Sea of Thieves and I tried to get my wife into Sea of Thieves. And I think it was just ultimately too stressful for her. She doesn't like being chased. And there was one time a shark chased her and she was like, I'm out. I can't handle this. (laughs) So then I end up playing Sea of Thieves by myself. And I just. It's not that there isn't any enjoyment, but I I, I, every time I play Sea of Thieves by myself, I'm like, this is not meant to be a game that you play by yourself. Like there's just too much stuff to do on the ship. And it's just like when something goes wrong, it's too devastated to deal with on your own. I feel like I don't know if you agree with that or if because you've played so much more than I have. 
if you're more experienced and you're like, ah, oh, no, you can kind of like curb some of those problems. Hey, Bender. Uh, it's definitely possible. And like the streamers who are really good at it do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I only ever play with other people pretty much. So, but I've, I, when it first came out, I would, I would go out on a sloop by myself and, um, yeah, it, it's just a different kind of game. Like there is something really nice, like peaceful about it kind of, mm, yeah, I to agree. just like, you know, a, a person and the sea kind of, a, kind of a vibe, uh, which is cool. But yeah, it's definitely way weirder. <laughs> I had a moment where, cause I, I, when you first start playing Sea of Thieves, like kind of getting into the rhythm of, of how to find treasure and successfully get on a ship and get back and just navigating, it's, it's all something you have to learn. And I was really excited cause I had a, I, I got some treasure and I was going back to a, an outpost to turn it in. And I was by myself and a storm happened and my yeah. ship sank and I lost all my treasure. And I was just like, I, <laughs> I don't want to play this anymore. Like I just felt so bad. Um, the one that gets me is the Kraken. I have uh, like, it's happened like three times where I have a galleon. There's four of us. We just did some big score and then we're on our way to sell at an outpost. And then the water turns black and the ship stops. And then the Kraken comes up and I'm just like this. How, why? How is this fun even? Sure. And like, we're not good enough, I guess, to kill it. Cause like we've, I feel like we've gotten close a few times, but it always sinks the ship. And then we have to like, and then one of us is just like in the water, juggling the loot to try to get it on a raft or something. And like, then the other people have to come and pick you up, which is exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, but yeah. So the, the Sometimes you just yeah. want to turn in the loot, you know, sometimes you just want right. to. <laughs> sometimes you want to just be done for the day. Right. Right. <laughs> and the Kraken won't let you, but, but I mean, on the flip side of that, many of my favorite moments are the unscripted stuff or the unexpected stuff. Um, the other day we had a thing where um, it was actually super irritating. We were getting griefed by these people um, and like we would spawn and they would kill us and we would spawn and they would kill us. And then they started sinking our ship. Um, but then so we sunk their ship and they were emissaries. So I grabbed their flag and they sunk our ship, so if I died, I would show up somewhere else and I would lose the flag. So then I just ran somewhere on the island, because you can sell a broken, emiss- somebody else's emissary flag for like 12 Gs or something, mm. whatever. And um, so then I was like hiding on the island by myself, playing cat and mouse, and then they their ship came back to try to get like their stuff again, but I was like hiding with it. And then so I was waiting for my crew to come back and get me in our new ship, you know? And it was like a heist. It was like a, I had to get out of there and stuff. It was pretty cool. <laughs> stuff like that is fun. But Yeah, I, I think just playing by myself, I don't. And I, I, admittedly, I have not played that much of it. And like hearing stories like that. And when I'm playing with you guys, I'm having such a good time. But whenever I encounter another player and I'm by myself, they're just like so much more experienced with the game than I am. And it's like, oh, they, oh, they yeah, just yeah. sunk my ship. Like, it's just gone. Like, it wasn't even exciting. Like, they just <laughs> yeah, they just no. demolished me. There there are times, like, we were playing the other day, and, and when we lost our rank five emissary, I wasn't by the ship. Gabby was watching the ship, and she was in the crow's nest, and she just said that all of a sudden she was flown from the crow's nest, <laughs> and then our ship was just, like, gone. <laughs> That's and so we funny. ascertained... That's yeah. We ascertained that someone must have snuck onto the ship and put like a powder barrel or two on it and just blown the ship up. 
Um, but it was like immediate. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that definitely happens. I Everybody's better at that game than me. Uh, but uh, sometimes you get a good server and nobody messes with you. Just because, you know, you've kind of continued to play it over a long period of time. Are you finding the like character progression and sort of faction progression continually satisfying and interesting? Yes and no. It's all just cosmetic. Right. Um, which can be fun. Um, but sometimes it's a little demoralizing because there aren't really any palpable rewards. Um, I'm not legend yet. I'm ranked like 44 or something gold like order, so I'm almost there. You, you have to get 50 in the main three factions. Okay. So I'm at like 25 or 30 in merchants and order of souls and like 45 or 43 in gold hoarders. So you have to be 50 in all three of those. And then I think you get access to like a, another little bar or something, like a secret area, but it's like pointless. Mm. <laughs> And you get like different costumes. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, and I mean, your missions get more lucrative, but who cares? Like I've got, I've consistently got like 200,000 plus gold and like four or 500 doubloons and stuff. And it's just like, I've, I've bought all the stuff I wanted. So yeah, it's kind of just like, whatever. You just do whatever you want. This, this is incredibly stupid, but I, I want a game where like, there's so many games where this would work where like you get pirate legend and sea of thieves and rare sends you like a sword or, or like, well, a, and like you get something in the mail and you're like, what? And they, they don't tell you about it. And you're like, who sent me this? You open it. It's like you, you're a pirate legend. This is similar. I mean, you have to buy them, but uh, in destiny, if you achieve certain landmarks in the game, then they send you an email like, Hey, you qualify to buy this raid hoodie or like this. You did all the raids ring. No, that's not, that's whatever. not good enough. Like I want to reach a certain point in destiny where it's like, we are sending you to space. Right. I, right. Those are the kind you of, you have become just, legend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've written a book about you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an advanced copy. Please sign it. Let's make a game like that where we just like send people stuff we'll send them yule scum <laughs> if you get max level, threat. You get max level. Yeah. the worst they do in the game the more yule scum they yeah. <laughs> every time they die you send them one you send them a pack yeah one one oh. piece of yule scum why is everyone doing so poorly in this game <laughs> uh Dabiani, i I'm going to give you the, the best talking of this episode because I, I really felt your excitement talking about Dark Souls 3 and the co-op and the time that you spent mm. with Huber. Uh, and so if you're not familiar with the best talking to your audience, what it is is basically I'm going to give Damiani a category and then he is going to try to combo good opinions about that category. <laughs> uh, so the category this, this time, Damiani, is pets. So you have to give me opinions about pets. Just keep going. Uh, yeah. Or, and, and, or, or I, you know, to, or, depending on how the opinion goes, I, I may comment on it. Sure. Yeah. Let's start simple. Pets are cute. They're adorable. All, they, all pets? Any pet? Yeah. From someone's perspective, any pet. In fact, I just I was reading about alligators 
which is more deadly, alligators or sharks? And getting schooled uh, on how deadly alligators are. Apparently hippos are worse than both of them. But there are some people who think even, like, apparently Australians think alligators are cute. They posted some videos about just playing with alligators in a creek. And I'm like, <laughs> what? After seeing how, like, deadly they're supposed to be. <laughs> this one this one guy was just like, no, go away. You're, like, petting it and stuff. He goes, nah, I'm trying to shoot something. Leave me alone and stuff. I'm like... Is that thing going to kill you? Like, because they got the death roll. Holy crap, that thing is scary. The death so, roll? But so, where they bite onto something, they start spinning around. <laughs> like, it's like, a, it looks like a, a, a car wheel spinning ridiculously fast. It's brutal. I'm laughing, but it's like, it's messed up. It's like, you don't want okay, that. But like, you, can't, you can't have an alligator as a pet. <laughs> some people might have an alligator as a pet. But not like They legally. might think it's cute. Maybe not here. I don't know. There's some part of the world where it's legal. If you have an alligator as a pet, please write in. Uh, but the point was, yeah, like just to the to someone's perspective, their pet is absolutely like cute and adorable. Mm -hmm. They come in, you know, all shapes and sizes. Um, they are very. They, they provide a lot of comfort. Mm -hmm. They are. They are they're very good companions. Uh, they can be frustrating at times, but yes. it, it's worth it. Yeah, like as we've seen today, <laughs> they they can be an inconvenience at time, but it's like I wouldn't trade that for anything mm -hmm. uh, in, in in the world. Uh, sometimes they they are uh, they're lifesavers in more than one ways. Like literally, uh, I, you know, some dogs can protect their owners. You know, like alert them when like a smoke detector does go off, or on the more casual end, uh, when an alarm clock doesn't go up for you to wake up in time but your cats are hungry, they will still wake you up early in the morning. So you'll never be late for anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely got that going. Uh, just, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's a, it's a pleasure and a joy to, to spend time with them at, at, at points to see what they will get into, to see them do new things that are unexpected at points. And you're just kind of left bewildered saying, wow, spent all these years and they still could they're interested in this or mm -hmm. they do something like that. Um, I, I feel like they are, I feel, I feel bad sometimes that they, I don't, I can't always give them what I think is like the, the perfect or not maybe not perfect, like the best possible lifestyle mm -hmm. just because of cost of living. I can't afford a house. I have to rent. So I don't have like a yard, I, even cats, cats are, it's better for them to be indoors. Um, but they can get bored being strictly indoors, like letting them outside in like a controlled fashion definitely, you know, jogs their memory and brain and like keeps them very mentally fit. And I feel bad about that, but you just like seeing what they can get into again. It's like when you buy them like a tree and watch them play with that laser pointers are like the easiest things. Uh, they are, they are underrated. I think mm. sometimes I see people harp on pets for being like the people who use them as like loopholes um like people don't want to pay for the, to fly with their pets so they classify it as a comfort you know pet mm. so they they're allowed to come on or going to like food places and stuff like that um i'm not saying that doesn't happen but the, the amount of like emotional you know comfort that pets can provide to you know who, who their their owners it's it's an it's invaluable like it, it's a real thing for some people yeah and you know some people in life like they can't they have difficulty coping with stuff that is like maybe their only means to, to dealing with something so i feel like they are essential damiana to some people i think that was that was well said uh the 
The only question I have for you is probably the most annoying way East wakes me up in the morning is he'll he'll like lay on my stomach, which is whatever, but he'll like take his paw and just slowly put it on my mouth specifically. Like, mm. like he's like shushing me with his paw, even though I'm not saying anything. And, <laughs> and it's just like, I could just feel his claws on my lips and it's oh, just that's really, not a good feeling. It's, yeah, yeah. It's really uncomfortable. So I'm curious how Cloud and Tifa wake you up. Um, as scary as that potentially could lead to if they get agitated in that point. I mean, that seems a little bit more gentle in general, mm. especially cloud. Uh, cloud is a mess around. Um, <laughs> if, I mean, obviously besides attack, like doing stuff to me, I mean, I don't, I don't have to get to what they do in the room, but doing to me, biting my feet, my toes, um, mm. well, like, like, well, like actually like, like not nibble, but go up, like just because he knows I'll like, it'll shoot me up. And he's like, there you go. Now come feed me food. And I'm like, you're, you're too clever. Like, he knows I work. Uh, he'll come up to my side and he'll start, like, uh, pawing at my shoulder. Um, and he'll do it in a way that, like, the claws will eventually catch onto the cloth of whatever I'm wearing. And he'll pull on it. And it'll make, like, a ripping noise. Not shredding it, but it still makes that pop. And, like, I can't. It's like, okay. It doesn't hurt or anything, but it's like I'm hearing this noise. And it's like, okay. But, I mean, he can get, uh, if he wants to, if he goes deep enough, uh he, he, there's blinds. He just goes. He just like gets on his hind legs and starts going at the at the blinds, making a really awful noise, um, and some p- potentially breaking them. It's like oh, okay. Uh, computer monitor screens. We'll go at those and paw at those and scratch them. Uh, I can't leave anything out on my desk at night. I have to put my keyboard away. I have to put my mouse away. I have to put all my cord. I have to break down everything. Put my cords away because if I don't, if I forget anything. That will be chewed to death. He'll chew that cord up completely because he, if he if he doesn't want me if I don't wake up and feed him in time he gets he, he gets annoyed. And this is a terror, he, Damiani. Yeah, this, this he, he evolves. <laughs> he evolves in ways like he figures out what I do to try and combat stuff. To like, no, I'm going to sleep. You're not waking me up at six a.m. today. Nothing you can do is going to work. He will figure out something, a new thing. He always figures out a new way that's like, you've got to be shitting me. Like, how how did you figure this out, you a-hole? <laughs> like, cats sound terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm super allergic to cats, so I'm not a cat person anyway, but God. <laughs> had, but then at night. Why do you put up with this? So, like, at night when I go to bed, uh, when I, it's like clockwork. I'll sit down. I'll start watching something on my phone. Immediately, he'll hop, come from wherever he is in the apartment, hop into the bed, come alongside me, and just kind of like curl up and like lie there right next to me and mm-hmm. stuff, and be like nice and cute and adorable. Um, and then you know, loves to rub up against my legs and stuff. Uh, they seem to be able to tell. I mean, they have an amazing sense of smell. Obviously, uh, I feel like they can sense like your pheromones or something to tell like your mood changes. So when I'm not in a good mood, both of them seem to always like approach me and like, you know, kind of be a little bit more like, you know, rubbing up against me and stuff. Being like, hey, like cheer up type thing. Or at least that's the vibe I get. Um, yeah. They're, and they're fun to play with, too. Mm-hmm. Like when you, you, you just buy some toys and stuff, they go crazy. And it's just like, yeah, you don't have to take them out for walks. I think it's the biggest thing. <laughs> so you, you don't uh, you don't but have to worry about that's a good excuse to get out of the house. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I mean, for but I mean, like for people when we're working in the studio, 
Um, or if you have to go on business trips, you don't have to worry so much about, in general, I'm speaking, uh, they can take care of themselves for a few days if you leave out things. Whereas a dog, yeah. you're like, nope, you need to make arrangements yeah. whatsoever. When you when you were doing your cat hitting the blinds, you did the perfect beginning of Sandstorm. That's how Claude does it too. Yep. Oh, really? The... Earlier when you said pre-patch, I just, I, I remember this way earlier in this podcast, but you mm-hmm. said pre-patch, Damiani. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear pre-patch, I think of Ryan Stevens in the Invisible Walls rap song when he's talking about <laughs> beating Dark Souls or Demon Souls or something. And then he just goes, <laughs> pre-patch. Because <laughs> the patch like fixed a bunch of stuff and made it easier. <laughs> That's it. Really That's deep. so good. That, that is not about cut. that. <laughs> uh, Damian, that was, that was a, a pretty passionate discussion of pets. Well done. Uh, this this best tie, this wonderful best tie, is brought to you by some shout out to your patrons. If you want to find out more, go to excuse me, go to patreon.com slash easy allies. It's a two hundred fifty dollars tier. We shout you out on all of our podcasts. Um, and for this one, I think what I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to say all the names and then we're going to say shout out like you're uh like you're a, an announcer like in a boxing ring okay okay all right all right so our shout out tier patrons are l thanis greg the dark knight kettering caleb togi crawford and jeff zovgm easton shout, shout out, out! I like how we're all slightly different kinds of announcers. Yeah. Daviade, part of me just wants to cut the podcast as soon as you're done with your shadow. Like just yeah, I, I apologize <laughs> for the what that's going to look like in the waveform. Yep. But <laughs> it's okay. Hubert, Hubert, when Huber's on Frame Trap and we get to the shout out section, I have to like take a close look at it because he can he can go hard. He always... <laughs> He always leans in really yeah, close does. and then That's it gets exactly louder. He's like so excited to do the shout out. He like, he's like eating the mic. Yeah. And then gets like four times louder than his normal level. Right. Right. Ian, tell me what Unrailed is. Okay. So when, wait, when does this episode go up? This goes up Sunday. Well, this will go up for early access tomorrow, Saturday, and then it'll be a public oh, okay. uh, Monday. Well, Spoiler alert for those uh, early access about what Easy Update is tonight for you if you're watching this Saturday. But Don and I just played Unrailed um, for this week's Easy Update. Oh. And man, it's a hoot. I think yeah. uh, it's kind of like Overcooked, I guess. But you are um, trying to to chop wood, break rocks for material for minerals. And then you have a train that's constantly moving <laughs> forward. And you have to. I think I've use seen the, this game. Yeah, yes. it was in. It was on the. I think a Nintendo yep. Indie World or something. It had oh, a, yes. the trailer. Um, we played it on PC. The online wasn't working, so he had to come into my local game via Parsec, mm. and his Parsec kept crashing. Oh, no. <laughs> so like, he would just like disappear for, <laughs> or stop moving for like thirty seconds every so often. But um, yeah. So what you do is it's a really simple game. You you. Pick up an axe, you just walk near a tree and you'll chop it. Same with a pickaxe and the rocks and you'll get iron. You then can take the iron and the wood, you have to carry them separately, to a little 
hopper, I guess, a little uh, storage container on the train itself. And the car behind it, it's okay, buddy. The car behind it uh, crafts tracks for the train. And um, so then you take those tracks and lay them in front of the train. Mm. And if the train engine runs out of tracks, it crashes and explodes and you lose. Um, <laughs> and the second car is like a water steam. I don't know what it is, but it overheats. And if it gets too hot, the train bursts into flames. <laughs> and you have to take a bucket over to a river, get water, and then just walk up to the train and it'll put it out. Um, so you're kind of just juggling all these things and it's really fun in co-op and you there's collision on each other so you can get into each other's way and like you have to strategically plan your route mm -hmm. and oftentimes that means like chopping down trees or breaking mountains in a way that you will then later use to build track through um, which also means you have to leave yourself enough space on either side to get past the train or you'll get stuck. Um, and the the, the camera is centered on the train. So if you leave a pickaxe too far left or something, conceivably the level can just move on and then you just won't have a pickaxe oh, anymore. No. <laughs> well, um, so let, let's say like that. that happens, right? And you lose your pickaxe. Are, are you just completely boned? Like, can you... It's like, it didn't happen for us, but um, one time it almost did, and the the it had like a little warning symbol on the pickaxe. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I'm not sure what would happen if we would have lost it over there. Um, we definitely lost plenty of materials, like we chopped down trees and didn't move the stuff over, and that's just gone. Um, yeah, and so it's procedurally generated. Each world has a seed. Um, if you play with, it's roguelike basically. If you play with checkpoints you only get a checkpoint every time you get to a new biome mm. and you only get to a new biome when you unlock a new engine for your train, which costs four bolts for the first one. And I think we got three through the course of playing it for like 45 minutes. So, um, yeah. And then we, well, I won't spoil the easy update. You should watch the easy update, but there's also a few other modes. There's a versus mode, which was really, really fun. Um, <laughs> You have a robot helper who just chops wood like a fiend. Um, and like, if you get in his way, he'll like push you aside because uh, all he cares about is chopping all the wood. Um, and then you have to, you know, get the metal and keep the train from bursting into flames and build tracks and lay tracks. And it's one player on top and another player on the bottom. And whoever gets farthest, whoever gets to the station first would win. Um, but it, whoever like has the most length, if someone else crashes, uh, wins. And it's really frantic and really fun. Um, it's a blast. The menu of the game is really interesting. You you can't you don't use your mouse to choose things. You have to walk to options on the menu to do stuff. So like you walk your little it's like ice top down isometric view or whatever, mm -hmm. and you walk your little guy over to settings and like change the the resolution like <laughs> by standing on the thing, and then you can you know choose the options. But it's just a funny way to do a menu. But yeah, it's it's cool looking it's fun it's frantic it eases you in the tutorial only takes like three minutes mm. uh it's a really fun game i think we should we'll definitely stream it, sounds it at like, some point it sounds like a perfect group stream uh yeah <laughs> you mentioned yeah. overcooked and i was thinking like an overcooked you have so many different tasks that you do but a lot of it is just like going over and it's like when you're chopping you're just like you know just holding down a button or like waiting for a timer to fill up like it's all it's it's not too complex to do any individual action 
how does it work in unrailed? Like when you have to put the, the, you know, prevent the train from overheating, are you just hitting a button or is there like you, a mini game you have to do or? No, it's, it's kind of interesting actually. So you hit like, if you're, since we were using Parsec, I was using Wazda and Spacebar, and he was using the actual the arrow keys and enter on my keyboard oh, um, wow. for the other for the other computer or for the other character. I mean, he was at his house, obviously, but uh, so yeah, the only controls are Wazda and Spacebar, mm-hmm. um, and so you walk with Wazda, obviously, and then Spacebar to pick up the axe or the pickaxe or the bucket, and then any action is automatic. So you. Um, take the bucket to the river and it just fills up and then you take it to the train and it, you just go near the car that's on fire and it goes out. Gotcha. And, um, you have to push space bar to drop wood off and pick wood up. But other than that, everything is just automatic by going near it. Um, yeah. So if it's not picking something up, it, it automatically happens if you're just standing next to a tree with an ax. So the difficulty isn't, so it, it is a lot like overcooked in the sense where the difficulty isn't really doing the thing. It is managing right. All the it's not, yeah, it's do. not, it's not tripping you up by doing like a little skill game every time you have to do something. Mm-hmm. It's just like you have, you have much to do and less time to do it in, um, as a general rule. And like in between worlds, like if you successfully get to the station, you then can use bolts that you've acquired to, um, upgrade your, your wagons on the train or buy new ones. Um, so we bought one that was meant to like pick up extra stuff off the side of the, like that we left close to the tracks. I think we were doing something wrong cause it didn't seem to do it, mm. but you can get one that like you can upgrade the water thing to make your train catch on fire, like half as quickly. Yeah. And like stuff that makes, you know, it can hold more tracks or whatever. Um, but then one of them was really weird. I have no idea what it means it was like a ghost train car and it says lets you get to the other side, not figuratively. And I was just like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, what? Jeez. Um, and there are 47 train cars and engines total that you can unlock. So um, I believe that 47 is right. So um, a lot of potential to get a lot of weird train cars and stuff. And the, the, the base train um, you could ha- handle f- five, I think. Uh, wagons cars on your train and i assume that if you get more engines that number goes up and your train gets longer and longer and more complicated there's a there's one that uh is a button that'll pause the train for a second like that'll stop the train moving which seems pretty helpful yeah there's one that's just a big compass and it says useful for showing you the way and at first we're like what do you mean what but then you realize that so if you get to the first station and keep playing you start where you left off at that station Mm -hmm. And you're going to another station, but you don't necessarily know where that station is. Right. Um, like, obviously, the, the game level is only so wide, but like, it might be at the top, it might be at the bottom, and you want to be as efficient as possible. That compass sounds So, like having the compass, essential. like, say that. Yeah. So, it's like the, the compass would be like the station's down there. So, you don't try to aim like way up here and then have to like suddenly go down at the end. Um, yeah. It's a fun, fun game. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like a blast. Um, I don't want to be too reductive with this question but i just feel like there's kind of been an explosion of of social games and what i mean by that is like games that are very exciting to play with others that kind of like bring about similar feelings of like chaos and cooperation like you mentioned overcooked i think that's a great example i think 
to some degree, Fall Guys kind of falls in that category. Among Us definitely falls into that category. Yeah. And I think I think it's awesome. Like, I love having these games that especially like when we can play them together or when you have friends over or whatever it is, like you have a really good time. But I was thinking about like Among Us where it's like, uh, I don't want to play this without you guys. Like, I don't want to play this with strangers. That just, that just seems awful yeah. to me. And I, I find that I, I run into games a lot like that, where it's like, I'm glad that they're there, but I really can only enjoy them very periodically. And that can be weird because it's like, I don't know, sometimes you just want to have that experience more often. Like Samurai Gun is a good example of that, where it's like, ah, I can only play this under certain circumstances. And maybe that's OK. Samurai Gun is fantastic. Yes, <laughs> but it didn't have online multiplayer. Yeah, so. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is is unrailed. The, the question that I'm getting to is like even the popularity of Fall Guys has kind of fallen off. Uh, it, it feels like and that's that's natural. That happens with everything. But I just wonder, like, is unrailed something that you could see yourself coming back to two years from now? Or is it just like is, is there enough there to be long lasting? Uh, I definitely think if you're the kind of person who's into these sorts of games that you would find a lot to love in it, mm. it has a single player. I've only played it along like with Don, um, so far. And I mean, you know, we only played it for like 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, if you're the kind of person who beat overcooked, you'd probably get a lot of enjoyment out of unrailed. Yeah. Um, for me personally, like I really liked it. And yeah, I'm probably more in the camp with you where it's, I think it would be really fun to play on a stream. Mm -hmm. um, but just because I keep myself so busy, I'm not likely to fire it up again um, until that happens. Although right. I wouldn't be opposed to it. And now that we're talking about it, I sort of want to play it again and see what the single player is like. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think with unlockables and stuff and the procedural generation aspect of it, I think you could definitely get plenty of play out of Unrailed. I think that's something that I liked about Overcooked 1 and 2 so much is that sense of progression and kind of that closure when you, you know, beat the final level. I really liked that. And it's like, okay, like I've, I've done it. Like I've finished the story. I've gotten three stars on everything. Whereas other games, like I think Among Us is genius in a lot of ways and it's so much fun. But there's not really a an end goal. And that doesn't make it... Um, any less of a game that's that's not a really a fault of it but i think sometimes just having that that very definite carrot on a stick can do so much for me in terms of like motivation to like get people together and play a thing and i think i, th I do think an important difference in these examples though is like overcooked unrailed roundabout you know you can play alone yeah um and they have a beginning and an end you know sort of right um, whereas like among us is more like Jackbox. Like right. it's just a straight party game. There's no, you know, other way to do it. So yeah, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to like say these games are exactly alike. It's just, you mentioned overcooked and, and I was thinking about multiplayer experiences that kind of made me feel similar ways where like part of the fun is overcooked is just having people mess up and laughing at each other. And it seems like unrailed offers kind of the same sensation where something will go wrong and you have that, the, the excitement of failure, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely moments where you're just like, Don, move, like move, yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the Steam page, there's actually like a live stream going on, so I've been like watching some of this gameplay while you're talking. I have a quick question though for you, Ian. Um, you're talking about the different like biomes, but does weather change? I didn't understand what's going on in one part. Like the screen, it looked like it got foggy. Uh, it, uh, so like, is there like a day a vis- night? Okay. There's a day night cycle. So at nighttime, you can only see around like yourself in a little sphere. I didn't encounter fog, but I wouldn't be surprised. It rained. Also, we were we were theorizing that rain might keep your train cooler, but we weren't sure uh, if that was true or not. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's weather and stuff too, and it, unclear at this time if it's aesthetic or not. But nighttime and stuff definitely makes it harder because you can't see what's around you. And like one level had robbers on it uh, that we were careful not to release, and uh, one level had cows on it. Um, so I could definitely see a lot of like funny shakeups like that being present on the map too. Could you imagine in real life this is how trains worked? You had to well, like what build out. As Don it was, going. was wondering that actually, because and I wasn't sure the answer because like when they were first building train like railroads, I mean like I know that they were using some like nefarious work uh, practices, but like how did they get the supplies? Was it was the train just going as along with them and holding all the stuff to make the train tracks? Did they bring it in on wagons? Like how did they make? Railway. It's exactly like Unrailed. Unrailed is a simulator. Yeah, that's it's a They went and chopped trees yeah. and then, yeah. <laughs> um, the game that I am going to talk about next, I, I'm actually super excited about. And Ian, I think you specifically, just based on the conversations that we've had about different stories over time, you would really, really like. Uh, and that is 13 Sentinels. Oh. Yeah. I love this game. Like, just deeply, deeply, deeply love it. And I've enjoyed Vanillaware games uh, before, but the story in this game really captivated me. And it's it's hard to describe. And I actually talk about it in the review where it's like, I want to tell you things, but I don't want to ruin any of the surprises because they're so, so, so good. But it's a bummer because because telling you what it's about feels almost misleading because it twists and turns and changes so much. But in an effort to try to give you a basic idea, uh, it is, you play as 13 different characters and a kaiju invasion happens. And kind of for unknown reasons, these kids have access to these giant mechs called Sentinels that they go and they they use to fight the kaiju and classic yeah so that's that's kind of the yeah. thing is on the surface it sounds like a pretty basic you know anime story um but where the genius of this game is is the the way that it formats its storytelling so when i say is you play as 13 different characters by and large you have a wheel of all of the characters and you choose which character you want to play as. And then you go and you you kind of do a chapter of their story. And the way that this ends up working is the chapters for these stories are really quite short. They're only about 15 minutes. And yeah. they, they all have their own kind of like web. And you'll like go to a certain point and it's like, oh, okay, like, some of them will be more straightforward and then other ones it's like, okay, I need to go back and do that chapter again, but I need to interact with different things or I need to bring up, 
you know, this different thing that I learned in conversation and it will take me to another branch on this web. Um, or it'll be like, okay, you've gone as far with this character as you can that you need to go see somebody else's story so you can have proper context to move on with that first character that you sort of like picked. virtues last reward. Yes. Kinda. Yeah. Virtues, virtues last reward is actually a very good, um, comparison to this. Cause it's kind of a similar thing. Uh, but I, this game should be an incomprehensible mess because <laughs> you're, <laughs> when you're going through it, they throw so much at you. Like the story is, is very, very, very dense with just concepts and, and twists, like pretty much every character you pick, right. And that's part of the reason why it's so good is you'll pick a character and they will reveal something about the world and you'll just be like, I what how is that possible that's insane right and then imagine that happening like 13 different times uh <laughs> and what's so good about it is there are bombs constantly being dropped but i didn't feel like that was the the only reason why i was playing like obviously the twists and turns are exciting but I actually got really attached to each of the characters. And despite the fact that it sounds like total anime bullshit where you have, you know, high school students, mechs and kaiju, they are extremely grounded and believable. Um, and there are so many quiet moments, uh, whether it's just, you know, a, a boy talking to his friend about these crazy sci-fi movies that he loves or, you know, a group of high school girls going and just getting like really giddy about having snacks after school or this, this guy who like loves this particular type of food so much that it, he, he becomes obsessed with it. There's, there's just so much like warmth and charm. And I was really worried because I think when you have 13 playable characters like this, I would get really attached to somebody and I'd be like, no, like I'm going with their story as far as I can, because I, I think they're so great and I'm so interested in what's going to happen with them. And then, you know, you'd reach a, a, a wall where it's like, OK, you can't go any farther with them right now. And it's like, well, I have to pick somebody else. And I was worried that I wouldn't be as attached to the new character that I was picking as I was with the previous character. And that never happened. I pretty oh, wow. much I mean, you know, it's 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 probably not strictly true. I'm sure if I really forced myself, I could pick out favorites. But by and large, I found everybody equally entertaining and interesting. Um, and like it, it's a long game. I, I, I don't know exactly how many hours I put into it, but you know, it's, it's not, it's not a 10 hour game by any means. I think probably like 30 hours, maybe around there. So th there's quite a bit to it. And like, I was just hungry for more, uh, almost every step of the way for sure. It, I'm, I'm watching like a little gameplay preview of it as you're talking and the art style looks really nice. Oh my God. It's, it's mostly just been kids in school talking to each other. Is, right. Is the whole game a story game like this? Is it a visual novel basically, or is there game? No. Gameplay is minimal minimizing it, but this, this is the best question you could have asked Ian. So for the, I'd say the majority of the game, it is kind of this adventure game style where it is mostly like, you being, you know, in a, in a, on a screen and going and interacting with other objects or getting into conversations with people, that's quite a bit of it. But there's also <laughs> a strategy game <laughs> in, 
in it as well. And so there's kind of there's there's kind of two halves where you have this adventure game and then you just go into like almost grid ba- it's you're not really on a grid but you're kind of on a grid it's like it's kind of like grid based tactical combat where you're in the mechs and each mech has different abilities and properties to it and you can level up the mechs and you fight the monsters and you have like all of the abilities that you have uh, cost a certain amount to use, right? And so you have to pick like the right abilities where it's like, oh, I'm fi- we're fighting armored kaiju, so we have to do attacks that are armor, or these flying enemies are hard for this character to hit, so we have to bring them down to the ground. And so you're making decisions like that. Um, it is the weaker part of the game, for sure. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I would say it is the weaker part of the game is because it's how, how it's visually represented, Right when I'm sitting here and I'm telling you it's it's mechs versus kaiju, I think you a certain visual kind of comes to your mind, and obviously yeah. when you turn it into a strategy game, I think that's going to get a little abstracted, but I think it's just pretty bland visually. So you don't even really see your mechs on the battlefield, and when they attack, there's no like cool animation that plays or something. Like the best you get is there's a preview for each move you select. Like it, you, it kind of just looks like you're on this blue screen, and there are like board game pieces all around. And so you don't okay. really get that sense of scale and conflict. And I think that really hurts that aspect of the game. However, what I will say in its defense is. Once you get closer to the end, the battles kind of ratchet up in intensity where solely through strategic decisions, I was having a good time. Like, I still think that visual element is true, but they 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 push the strategy enough that I was I was having fun kind of like solving the problems that it was throwing at me. Cool. Um yeah. Yeah. I was that was what I was most curious about, Ben, because I had seen trailers for the game and the gameplay parts, the non visual novel parts. Mm-hmm. I was had no idea if they evolved beyond what I was seeing because they didn't look that uh the presentation style of it felt like, oh, this kind of goes along with like a visual novel. It's not very elaborate looking. It's very right. you saying in the board game was like, Oh yeah, that's Definitely when I got, does it go beyond this or does it stay with this the whole time? And, yeah. you know, knowing that's kind of like, oh, okay. But I also kind of expected probably like get more complex towards the end. Right. So that's interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Is it on Switch? Uh, PS4. PS4. Huh. Is it $60? I believe it is $60. Huh. I could be wrong on that, but I think it is. I think it's $60. Um, the other thing that I will say in a point of favor for the, the battles is... Mm, I have to be careful here, but um, you you get good banter between um, the pilots as well. And it's nice because some of the more lighthearted moments take place either in the pre or post battle. And and especially once you get attached to all the characters, just seeing them all combine and interact, because when you're doing a, a character story, you know, it may be very focused on them. They may not necessarily be interacting with the rest of the cast. And so to see them kind of come together and, and bounce off of each other is pretty um, entertaining. And you, you mentioned it a little bit, Ian, but I cannot overstate how gorgeous this game is to look at. Um, Very cool looking. Yeah. And, and how much it accomplishes with its visuals. Um, And it's actually a problem that I have with visual novels sometimes 
is obviously good writing can overcome this, but a lot of times you can kind of get into that. And it's not just visual novels. RPGs can suffer this as well. But you kind of get that talking head uh, issue where, like, there's not much going on visually. It's just, it's just you know, a static image and a, and a bunch of text. And that's, you know, that's serviceable. But the environments here do so much heavy lifting. I mean, even just the way that they're colored. Um, and I talk about this in the review, but, you know, you, you spend a lot of time in this high school and it's like after school and like, you know, the sun is setting and the light is kind of like, you know, orangish. And it just gives the whole scene like a very nostalgic feel and really kind of sells the atmosphere in a way that like you just interacting with like a static anime character portrait and a, and a bunch of text wouldn't accomplish. Um, and, you know, obviously these these kaiju can cause massive destruction um, and and they're, they're, they're a huge threat and actually going through environments that have been destroyed by them and just seeing the detail of, of the havoc they wreaked uh, is it really lends so much uh, to to the weight of the story that they're trying to tell for sure. Um, yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever lost it all. This, uh, this is weird. Just popped in my head. Does it have a cool game over screen or anything like that? If you actually like lost in combat or, you know, did... I didn't, I don't think I lost any battles. Mm. Um, I definitely, Oh no, 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 I did. I did. That's not true. Uh, there was one, there was one battle near the end where a pilot died and the fail condition was nobody can die. So no, I did. I did lose one battle. I don't remember like any, super cool game over screen no I, there were definitely some battles i i ranked well in most of the battles there were definitely a couple that i did not because there is a ranking system uh depending on how well you do um and there are like bonus objectives that you can do if you kind of want to spice things up further where it's like okay you know beat the level in this amount of time or only bring these pilots into into battle um so you you have Things like that to pay attention to if you want, which is really good. Um, the maybe the best pitch that I could say about this game, and it's it's hard because there's so much I, I would love to just sit here and talk to you guys about the story, but whatever you think this game is about, it's not about that. Like, <laughs> it's not really about high school kids, like fighting monsters like there's there is so much it like like you you think you think the depth of the story is here and it just it just keeps going and it it's it's definitely crazy where i think if you were to read the plot on the wiki it would just be like this this is just crazy bullshit but actually going through it and and the pretty excellent pacing that they have like it's a super super fun journey to go on and I definitely think it deserves to be brought up when best narrative rolls around. So highly, highly, highly nice. recommend it. Um, Damiani, tell me about Spellbreak. Are we ready for another battle royale? <laughs> no. But with, with, no. Ma- with magic? <laughs> with, 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 with magic and fantasy, though? So no, no guns? Everything is a spell? Damiani, I don't uh, mean to be a sourpuss, but that sounds super boring to me. <laughs> I know. Uh, but so I, I saw this game. I saw like some video of it, and I have fun playing battle royale. Get uh, battle royale games when I'm playing with some of you. Um, 
like playing with friends, I have no problem. This is the first one I, I felt compelled to actively seek out and try out. I, we did play it on Mike and Mike, so it's another game I did play with Huber. Uh, so we were playing it co-op. But uh, I, I think it does some unique things. And I, I think there's some potential there. I don't know if the developers are going to act fast enough to capitalize and make the adjustments they need to make. Plus it's like a very cutthroat genre right now. So it's, as you said, like even when we were talking about even like fall guys, like has, do you're like, does it kind of fallen off in popularity right. or is it like waiting for its resurgence when like some more updates come? Like what's going to happen with like among us, like this is another game. It kind of had some came out beginning of September, had some buzz around it. Right. And I kind of haven't really heard about it since. Uh, I, th- I think they've been trying to push it, but it's so easy to get drowned out. Yeah, man. Uh, You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. So it has a kind of an uphill battle, I feel like, which is unfortunate. And it, it wasn't, like, perfect. Uh, it, it, there were some things that definitely needed work. But essentially, to, 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 to kind of, like, summate what this is, essentially, you... Uh, you pick from like one of you equip gauntlets to each arm. Mm. Uh, you can you always start out with one element, one of six elements, uh, and you can pick what you start with. Uh, and there's a whole like a leveling path that unlocks like different specials that you can equip for 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 your your left or right gauntlet. I forget which one's a fixed one. But when you drop into a map, uh, your other arm is up to you. And you can combine elements together to both uh, boost spells. The, the basic one they give you is you have like uh, a toxic element. They throw toxic gas down, and if you use flame, it'll make it explode and do like massive damage. That's cool. So you could use them to your. You could do traps and stuff like that. But at the same time, people can use that against you. If I throw down toxic gas next to me by accident, and I'm like, "Oops, it's too close," but an enemy sees that and throws fire at that, it now goes off and it is friendly fire. So you got to like, it, there's a constant juggle of what do I want to use? What abilities do I want to mix and match versus what is my opponent going to do against me? Which I think puts it a little, it felt a little bit more complicated at first than most other battle royales, like a Fortnite, like an Apex Legends. This just, or even Call of Duty, like Warzone, this was a little bit more to for the initial hurdle to get over. Plus uh, you have like a mana system. Uh, your your those abilities uh work over your MP and it slowly regenerates after you stop using it, but this game is all about like levitation and like jumping. It, you can double jump in the air and you can levitate and it's all about like jumping up, getting in the air while dueling in the air and then like landing and then getting back in the air as soon as possible. And hovering uses MP as well. So you're having to juggle like the the meta is like jumping around and crap while also using these combined elements. So it's like so easy to tap out on mana in this and get overwhelmed just like what the heck like i gotta run away and something like that then you got your uh, uh mobility ability uh specials uh you can do like a, a like a high jump that, that that doesn't use any mp you can do like a fast dash you can do a thing which makes you like levitate slower uh you just pick from any one of these and they each have like different qualities like It'll let you do it faster, you know, the whole color code system, you know, like orange, purple, green, Mm -hmm. you know, that blue. Uh, And then on top of that, uh, you have three attributes that uh, impact your MP, your damage, and like, uh, I forget what the other one is. There are scrolls throughout the map that if you you access them, boost uh, those three attributes and you can max them out to like maximize your potency. And of course, they got the HP thing, they got health potions, they got the MP armor, armor, you could do armor potions, stuff like that. So you got all that going on. So it's it definitely feels 
different. It's it's definitely about jumping around in, in fights. It's definitely about jumping around and who can like like land the, the different attacks. But also the playstyles are very, very drastically different mm. depending on what you use. Like ice, you basically are frozone from the Incredibles. You can just freeze the ground below you and like skate away. So like you go do some damage and then skate the heck away. Make a path and you like skate away. But it's funny because if you have electric, you can counter that by like just shooting electric into the ice and like electrifying them while they're on there. So it's it's interesting to see what people pick and how they counter. So yeah, again, it, it, it's it's fun, very creative. Felt that part of it felt very unique, mm-hmm. just very overwhelming. And even with the tutorial, I feel like. Out of any of the battle royals I played, this one maybe needed a little bit more massaging in terms of like before turning you loose sure. into the uh, the player the general population. You know, Damian, I went into this conversation uh, jaded, where I was like, "Oh, you know, it's a BR with magic." Like that didn't that didn't sound so exciting. But I I think the creativity, like I I didn't realize that there was. Uh, that it that it played so differently than what I kind of was had in my mind for whatever reason, and it just sounds like it's one of those games where no matter what you're doing because of the options that you have, you're having a good time. Like just skating away on ice sounds awesome. Like even if you don't get any kills or anything, it's just like no, I I'm magical, bitches. Like that just sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But that was actually my question, and you touched on it at the end. It, it feels like there there is so much to learn that like getting into a game like fighting against people that have been playing a while it's like how do you even stand a chance if it's like they know all the good combinations and stuff and it's just like i I feel like the the learning curve sounds so incredibly sharp yeah i i have to agree with you i i feel like the only reasonable course of action to take is to stick with a combination until you're familiar enough with utilizing it yourself uh but also like going against how to use it as a counter against things Mm. and which involves a lot of failing like you're gonna get overwhelmed by people and obviously these matches don't always provide the optimal place to trust that stuff out the uh, opponents aren't just gonna let you take your time and set up things they're gonna move at you at a breakneck speed and you got to adapt to that speed so it's definitely intimidating and i think it's some a game you probably that's the thing you have to invest a lot of hours and time in so i think another hook uh, some of these games have like the PVE modes, the, the like the co-op PVE stuff. I think this really needs something like that to sure. get players more acclimated to it before before jumping into PvP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, there's a lot of potential there if I think they can figure that out and maybe either uh, uh, yeah either streamline it a little bit so it's a little bit more easy easily discerned what what you should be doing or just getting more comfortable with it. But oh man, yeah. It's fun to play, but it, it, to feel like you're actually good at it, I think it's probably one of the probably going to be one of the higher skill ceilings uh, beyond like your manual skill. Like the like the the meta understanding is going to be ridiculous because you jump into like a sh- any of these other shooter games. It's like pick a style of gun you like. Do you like a sniper rifle? Do you like a machine gun? Right. Do you like a handgun? Like whichever you feel most comfortable. And it's just about aiming. Stay with your friends and stuff, and like you know, it, it comes down to like gunfights, and it's no, no, not really crazy 
maneuverability things you're doing. Maybe Apex is the other one most similar to this. I think it's why it gets compared. And like Fortnite, you have building, but I don't think any, everyone's kind of like on equal footing with those. They, they, you know what they can do at any moment. Mm -hmm. it, the possibilities aren't that complex. Whereas I think this is, a, there's definitely more complexity here. So it's like, man, you got to memorize a lot of, it almost feels like a fighting game where you're going to memorize the matchups and stuff mm. and what people's movesets would be. Maybe not that in depth, but it's that level of like intimidation, I think. Uh, you mentioned that you played this with Huber. Do you feel like, because based on what you're describing to me, I, I found, I feel like playing with a friend could either be like make the game way more fun because you're just both kind of experimenting and talking with each other and learning together or like kind of miserable because it's already complex enough, like just trying to learn the game that dealing with, you know, another person only adds to that, I guess, that over that sense of being overwhelmed. Yeah, uh, I think it's a net positive, honestly, mm. we're, play, we're playing with Huber because we we think we quickly figured out, let's not bring the same loadout. Sure. Let, let's cover more elements so that we maybe are increasing our chance to win. And it, it felt fine. I mean, I think towards the end, we decided, like, let's get maybe let's practice with this stuff and like, let's keep picking the same thing so we can get good at it. But it feels much better than going out like uh, probably by yourself. I think if you go out solo and you're a newcomer, you're probably going to die faster sure. uh, when you actually encounter people. But when you're the, with any of these games, you're a group of people, you have a better chance. But yeah, I, I don't think it was – it made it more frantic at times when things were going bad because you're like, no, I'm going to help you, but I'm also in a bad situation. Crap, 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 crap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the jumping, I think the jumping is like the big equalizer because like escape stuff, like buying yourself time. If you're used to a game like where you have to move, like moving around is just as important as the shooting. And because it's like the vertical aspect, I think this is also like what like Fortnite's building maybe is the most analogous because you can go up. Mm -hmm. You can go up and you're like, what, what the hell? It's like, I mean, that provides a barrier, but like just simply just jumping up and using your surroundings because there's a lot... Not, I mean, they have a lot of the the building structures in here, like medieval castles. They have like a, a desert area that looked like we kept calling it Tatooine because it looked like it was from Star Wars. Uh, the, these structures kind of complement it as well. Uh, the the platforming and a lot of these battles take place on the top of steeples. You're really high up in the air, so you're just like kind of like levitating and fighting. So it's a uh, I, I feel like, yeah, well, playing with another person, knowing they have your back, you you feel more emboldened. I think to try out things rather than maybe playing more cat and mouse or you like it'll hang back and right. like not really j dive in and, and start learning things. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point because I think that is true of myself where, uh, when I play by alone, uh, I, I am a lot more like, okay, I'm going to wait this out. Like I'm going to hold up here and, and make sure that, you know, I can get inside the ring. Like it's, it's a lot uh, stealthier. And when you're playing with Huber, it's just like, Ride or die, you know. It's just, you're yeah. not, you're not hanging back. It's yeah. Not, it's not. Uh, I think it helped that he was also new to the game as okay. well, so we're both starting out like that. This game is also a little bit more friendly to controller players in terms of it doesn't feel like you're at as much of a disadvantage to mouse and keyboard players for aiming because you can pick combinations which are less about precision aiming, like headshots, and your abilities are more about like AOE stuff. Mm. So as long as you place it near a player and set it off, it, they're still going to hit them. So it helps with, like, uh, you still be pretty fast with your reflex that 
without sacrificing, you know, the need for like pinpoint accuracy for aiming. I kind of like that. I, I definitely like that. I definitely started to gravitate towards things that utilize that ability, like uh, the the toxic ability, the toxic gauntlet was very good for that. The the lightning one, like a giant circular AOE, you could just drop down on people instantly uh, and stun them was perfect because then you could just get a few sec, like a second of shots in on them before they can react. So. Yeah, I, I kind of like that nature of it too. Mm. Yeah, I having this conversation, um, it, it kind of made me realize like how how hypocritical uh, desires can be as like a game player. Where I, I think you know you constantly want something new and innovative and different, but anytime something is is too different, it's kind of like intimidating and overwhelming. And you're like, oh no, I need something that I can understand, right? And that is why so many battle royale games, it's like you pick up an assault rifle, you know what it's going to do. And I, I can imagine as like a designer that like trying to accomplish both things simultaneously, like being comfortable but feeling new is extremely difficult to to tackle. Yeah. Well also, the RPG elements, I didn't really really expand upon them. But, I mean, each element has levels. And as you level up, you have skill trees. And you can bring... There's three categories. You can only pick one from each, but you have to have enough points to unlock the next mm-hmm. row down. You can... You have, like, a, like six points, basically, to spend in three categories. And you have to have one from each. You can basically be different builds. What you want to specialize in. Do you want, like, less MP costs? Do you want, like, things to do more damage? More it gets damage. more complicated more than damage. that. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 so, combi- like, the, it, it feels more like an RPG in that regard. Hmm. At least an RPG light. So, but it also adds to the complexity as well. Sure. Like you got to you gotta dive into those systems. Yeah, that's, that's cool, though, because I feel like, you know, comparing it to... Fortnite, you're you're essentially just unlocking cosmetic stuff, and so to have actual progression for your character is neat, but not as neat as this Hotake. Um, we we're gonna do a fun one today. I'm calling it Launch Battle. <laughs> uh, what I have done, I, I I picked, I there were, I didn't include everything. These are not definitive launch lineups for the consoles, but I've broken it. I've picked five. Uh, launch games that are only coming or well actually that's not true because I think DMC5 special I have I have DMC5 special edition as a PS5 launch game because we saw it during the PlayStation event but I'm pretty sure it's coming to Xbox as well anyway I have five games under the PS5 heading just work with me here and five games under the Xbox heading and then I have a multi-platform category with three games that I thought were big enough and for each category, uh, what I'm going to have us do is, as a group, we are basically going to rake the significance. In terms of, of anticipation or impact or however you want to qualify it, you are going to need to rank the games in each of these categories. So one is, this is the hottest shit, and five, this is the coldest, okay? Mm. So here is the PS5 list. Devil May Cry is going to both, but not PC, apparently. Is Devil May Cry 5 going to both at launch? That I'm not sure about. Yeah, I I made a mistake constructing these lists, and that's on me. But But that's okay. We'll just pretend. We'll just pretend, yeah. Uh, So here's the PS5 list. Demon's Souls, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, 
Godfall, Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition. So, yeah, our own personal rank. No, we have to we have to come to a consensus as a group. We know what number one is. Yeah, yeah. Number one, Demon I knew, Souls. I knew number. I knew number one was going to be Demon Souls. And I feel like for number me, number two is Miles Morales. All right, hold on, hold on. So to, to make this a little bit more of oh, a discussion, <laughs> let's let's just we can't just I knew say you were going to push for Devil's uh, Devil May Cry a second. Well, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I want to talk about Demon Souls really quick to make this more of a discussion. Um, Obviously, you know and I know why Demon Souls is exciting, but we need to, we're we're giving yeah. this we're ranking this number one best, most anticipated, juiciest PS5 launch game. Why? It's a remake of a game we've all already played. Why? Why? Why do we care that much over potentially brand new experiences? Because it's Demon Souls, baby. Did you gotta but give me I more mean, than that. No, I mean it looks graphically. Maybe the most impressive of any of the next-gen titles we've seen so far. It's improving on, hopefully, a beloved classic. So that's, you know, positive points. Um, it will have online functionality in a game that used that in really interesting ways that a lot of people that you can't experience now and that a lot of people haven't experienced. I have friends who've played Demon Souls completely offline because the servers were shut down, you know. And, I mean, it's just... To have more people able to finally experience Demon Souls, a, a beautiful, wonderful game um, that I think a lot of people missed out on, uh, is just, it cannot be overstated how cool that is. Yeah. Because this game is truly beautiful. That last point, especially, I don't think, uh, obviously, Soulsborne stuff has exploded. It is extremely popular now. Mm hmm. And people will point back to Demon Souls as being like that was the start of it, but it was really Dark Souls that I think jettisoned it or blew sorry, the doors off. It. Yeah. Yeah, 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 propelled it into the stratosphere. And I think there are a lot of people just never went back to Demon Souls because like, oh, that's the oldest one. It's probably not the best one. You know, whatever preconcept, you know, weird notions they had about it. Now it's easier than it'll probably be the easiest way to get into it because it, one has been visually updated. As you said it looks freaking next gen. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most next gen crazy. looking games on the console. So that's going to make it so easy for people to get in. There's going to be a lot of curiosity from people who want to try it out. So there's going to be a lot of new experiences playing through that. And... It's still, a whole, according, I mean, from you two and others I've heard, it still stands the test of time, that game. Yeah. So, it's fantastic. Yeah. And if they've, if they've tightened up rolling and stuff a little bit, and if it feels a little more modern, like, they wouldn't even have to do that much. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, yeah, it'll go a long way. Also, the, the, the thing that I'm looking forward to hearing from you, Damiani, and from whoever is, because I experienced it this way, too, because I played it after, I think, Dark Souls 2. Um because I missed it the first time, you know, is how much of Dark Souls and like the Souls formula they got right the first time. Like, hey, Ian, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, <laughs> well, like that's the thing is like yeah. it was all already there. Yeah. Like almost like ninety percent of what makes Souls great was already there. They just did it, you know. And obviously they made a whole bunch of games before yeah. Demon Souls, but like Demon Souls just really has that special sauce. I think there are and, things uh, in Demon Souls yeah. that you could say that like are some of the Better best. Than... Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. just some of some of the like kind of the world and storytelling of Demon Souls. Like there's yeah. really fascinating aspects of it there. Um, some of the areas are my favorite 
in any of the souls games yeah or just like yes that was what i want crazy i want to talk about like best yeah. stuff is areas for sure uh but kind of to your point damiani talking about like dark souls sort of really shooting it up into like the stratosphere of, of popularity i it's fascinating because dark souls kind of became a concept right like it, it became its own genre and so when you say dark souls you don't really just think of this one video game the same way that you would for a lot of other titles. It's like Dark Souls kind of becomes this idea that you have to experience. And I think by not being in kind of not having that naming, right? Demon Souls, I think it kind of got forgotten because that's not what people didn't say like, this is like Demon Souls. People would say this is like Dark Souls. And so I think it just kind of got edged out because Dark Souls, like as a concept in terms of like difficulty and structure, became such a point of comparison for everything, right? Like it became a meme how everything was compared to Dark Souls. So, yeah. All right. Demon's Souls number one, of course. Come on. Yeah. Uh, Devil May Cry 5. So here's what I'm going to say Devil May Cry 5 Special Edition <laughs> is at the top for me. I think as an action Above game. Above Demons? So I was thinking about this before when I was putting this list together, I was like, I don't know which one is more anticipated for me. I don't know. Is it a remake or anything? No, it's, it's just they're putting right. it out. So again. I think I think that's the thing that probably gives the edge to Demon Souls, right? Is it is you they're they are adding new stuff to it, but a lot of it is the same game, whereas Demon Souls is like a whole wholly new interpretation. Yeah. Right. And if so they didn't mess up the camera. Demon Souls is going to be great. I just think mechanically Devil May Cry 5, even though a lot of it is going to be similar, is so good that it's it's fine. But what I will say is I don't I don't think you guys this is a group decision, right? I don't think you guys have it as high up. And Insomniac Spider-Man is put it third. OK, I'm, I'm OK with that because Insomniac Spider-Man yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. So I would. I'd totally be okay putting Miles Morales number two, but does everybody agree right. with that? Yeah, I, I was That's thinking what, I, would what say. I saw the at the PlayStation Five showcase, the most recent it one. Looks slick, kind of, kind of. Yeah, it sold me on it. I was a little skeptical; it'd be too samey, not enough like uniqueness to it. Like mm-hmm. those, all those fears were swayed. So it's like, yeah, there. This looks pretty damn good. Plus those uh, winter vibes, baby. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I'm feeling it. But I, I'm, I'm also I, I totally understand your perspective, though, Ben. Yeah. Uh, special editions and Devil May Cry have a very good, uh, right. th- like <laughs> lofty expectations. Right. So that uh, that 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 commands some respect. Oh, attention for sure. Yeah. So, Damiani, that's uh, a really good point that you bring up is that when you do a Devil May Cry special edition, right, it's not the same as every other game. Like there is an expectation of quality there. Really, really good point. Yeah, it's like the pinnacle of that ver- version of the game, and it, it, it almost are unanimously like mm-hmm. regarded as like perfection for yeah. that installment. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I understand. They did, that for yeah, sure. they did so much to four. Uh, um, okay, so I, I want to challenge us a little bit because I, I do want this to be a conversation, right? I don't want it to just be us assigning things numbers. So. Obviously, Spider-Man looks great, and the, the there's a precedent for Insomniac doing great work here, but this is going to be a smaller-scale adventure, right? So do you think there's any possibility of 
us playing through it and being like, that was neat, but it felt like it was over really fast and it didn't feel all that different from um, the first game. I know, Damiani, you kind of touched on that uh, a little bit, but still still want to throw that out there. I mean, yeah, it's possible. What looks good in a video doesn't always either hold up for a long time and or maybe, you know, there's something we haven't seen. It's old for all of us that work in this industry, the Dodge that it's much easier to craft an impressive video or a demo even that blows you away versus the final product living up to that for every minute of your experience with the game. So, I mean, I can, actually, I, I can see that because even for me, while I recognize the greatness of Marvel's Spider-Man for, for PlayStation, uh, I wasn't as over head over heels about it as most every other person with Spider-Man. Um, I, I, and I don't know if some of those... Um, it, 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 one, if I still hold those, uh, hold the same feelings when I re- when I play through Miles Morales or even like the, the remastered version again after how many years it's been two years I think two three years I forget. Also, you know if the improvements really do you know address any of those issues as well. So it it could go either way. I I will concede it could go either way. And at the end of the day, I might walk away being yeah, the only Christ special edition was way better than this. What the heck were we thinking on this episode of Frame Trap? I like that you're <laughs> open. Uh, to the possibility. I do want to say that this, this list is, I did look it up uh, as you were talking, Damiani. So it, according to the official website, the digital version is available day one for next generation consoles. So it's both PlayStation 5 and Xbox All Series right. X. So this is so just... The chances are we can put it number one for Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, the concession. So I'm, I'm sorry, audience. That was a dumb mistake to make, but I'm glad we could acknowledge it at least in the episode um so the last two games are Sackboy and godfall i think that order probably but like way down <laughs> yeah I, yeah like this is a one two it's like this is like a diehard situation where like one well not even a diehard situation but it's like the first the first couple are up here you know the first the first three on our list are up here, and then the other ones are just like way well, down there. I mean, for me, Sackboy it looked it looked pretty good as a platformer. It looked cool, yeah. It looked more appealing to me than any anything else. Sackboy's been like you know right. the, the yeah. little big planet games. Yeah. Uh, so I don't uh, for me on that level, I don't want to dismiss it. That's also why for me personally, I, I'd give it the edge over uh, Godfall because. There's for me, there's not been a good showing of the game. Yes. Obviously, getting it if I ever go hands on with it. It, and it, it, I'll give it the you know benefit of the doubt. It might actually be pretty damn good. Right. They just sucked at communicating that to everybody. Yeah. Maybe and, it's not so easy to make a good video. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's there are some <laughs> concepts you just can't do it justice. You have to get yeah. it in people's hands. So again, just like we our previous argument, I, I can see that maybe this shakes things up after it comes out. But as of this moment, I'm definitely more find uh Sackboy's the, the platform game. I forget the full title. Sorry. Sackboy's adventures or Sackboy, a big like adventure is what I have. The big adventure. That but now is, I have uh, no faith in myself and list making. <laughs> it looks, it looks way more appealing. It, it, it has, you know, those 3d platforming vibes. That I dig, you know, it's, it's, Borrowing from other great 3D platformers, I have no problem with that. I always want more 3D platformers. I forgot that it was more of a yeah. I forgot that it was more of a 3D platformer. My brain was having a moment where I was just thinking of another little big planet. It does. This does look more appealing than a little big planet game to me. 
I, if this has level creation stuff too, that'll be cool, but I don't know if it does. I feel this is a, is a point of praise and a criticism all rolled into one. With Sackboy, I feel like I know exactly what I'm going to get out of it. Like, I, I feel like I know exactly how I'm going to feel. and I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to like play through it once and be like, oh, that was fun. And then I'm never going to think about it again. Never going to. But it will be. I, I think it has shown me that it will be, you know, at least somewhat enjoyable. I want to be excited for Godfall. I wish I was excited for Godfall. But like. They, they've just never brought it. They've never, I don't even feel like they have to do that much. That's what's so astounding about Godfall is like having a cool hack and slash game for, for at launch, you know, well, now we have Devil May Cry, so you're outclassed. Sorry, but I, I think this fills a, a very, like slides into a slot very easily. And it just, every showing I'm like, ugh, ugh really? That, like, that's how you're going to present it? And it's just like they they cannot make it appealing. And I don't understand yeah. why. <laughs> I mean, it's it it might just be that it's a mediocre game. It could be like it, yeah. it might like there's a saying in filmmaking garbage in garbage out, yeah. you know, like you can't you can't spruce it up maybe because it's just yeah. so lame. Maybe the writing is or lame. they're just terrible at making trailers and the game's like super fun to play. Who knows? But for th- if we get it for free, I'm <laughs> sure I'll try it. But for that reason, I think Godfall is last, right? We agree oh, yeah, on that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I want to run down the the, the PS5 list one more time. Uh, Demon Souls, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, DMC5 Special Edition, Sackboy Big Adventure, Godfall. Yeah. All right. Are we ready for the Xbox list? We can maybe throw DMC5 in here if we want to. This is what I picked yeah. for Xbox. Bright Memory. So some of these... You may need what to have is that. So it's that. So bright memories, that first person shooter that we saw, right? That it, it's, it's, it's a first person shooter. Here's the description on Wikipedia. It's a first person shooter, hack and slash episodic video game developed by Chinese independent developer, FYQD personal studio. Is this the one that looked very next gen looking? Yes. Was there like a car part at was one this, point? Like, yeah, it, it was, here's, here's how we responded to the game, right? We, we saw it. Over the summer, we're like, oh, that looks really cool. And that's been kind of the, I feel like the impression, at least from the allies that I've gotten, is we'll see it and we'll be like, oh, that looks neat. Is this the one that was made by like one person? I know. I thought it was made by one person. I feel like every time we talk about Bright Memory, that comes up where it's made by like just one one person or something. It looks like, like you've got a gun and a sword. It was developed by a single developer in his spare time. <laughs> I mean, it visually looks good, but that yeah. gives me pause. <laughs> sure. I think, I think even it looks cool. I think it may, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. Uh, but also I think it might just be a prologue. That well, coming. yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. So, it is currently being developed into a full-length game titled Bright Memory Infinite, planning to release on Windows, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S. Hate those titles. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, what are the other ones on the list? All right. So, yeah, some of these we might have like kind of a similar reaction where it's like, okay, what, what is that again? Uh, all right. Yakuza 7. Yeah. Tetris effect. Like a dragon. That's the like a dragon one. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, Tetris effect connect connected. Uh, the falconeer, which I imagine you probably don't know what falconeer is. Uh, it's an open world air combat game featuring frenetic aerial dogfights and deep exploration of the mysterious open world of the Great Ursea. Uh, this is another one that I, I would maybe quickly type into Google to get a good look I'm, at. Yeah. I'm looking at a trailer now. Yeah. It looks like it could be cool. The Falconeer. And I want to see if you guys remember this game because uh, it looks really, really neat. RPG Time, The Legend of Right. And so in this game, you're playing as like this young game developer and the game is you watching this person make their game. And it has like this really charming oh. look to it. Do you remember this? Yeah. I think I've played this at Indiecade. Was it cool? And this game is incredible. Okay. If if this is the game I played. I haven't played it, but just visually it looks so good. Like you 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 have like this desk and you've got all this stuff out and there's he's like drawing like mazes yeah. and stuff on paper. It just looks this is an awesome. easy number one for, for me. See the RPG time. Well, DMC five number one, <laughs> and then RPG time on this list. Uh, We'd have to like bump. So, we could, we could probably swap Tetris Effect connected for DMC five. Who wants? It? I don't know. For me right now. Yeah, it's Yakuza be... 7 is number one. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yakuza I forgot about Yakuza 7. <laughs> so it'd be Yakuza 7, DMC 5, RPG time, and then whatever. And then whatever. That's the list. Yeah. That's the list. As, as, as unique as it looks, I, I feel like maybe the, the Falconeer would, I'd put it last. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's in that unfortunate position where I don't think we know enough about it to. I'd, I'd put Falconeer above Bright Memory just because Bright Memory okay. is just going to be a. Pro, it's just a demo, I think. See, that's that's what I'm confused. Is is bright memory? It's like a prologue. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I, I I'm not. Yeah, I'm not, I I feel like I mean those are, to me those are the obvious two last ones. Yeah. I mean, I think I personally I'd rather play Falcon here. <laughs> yeah, me than too. Than bright memory, I just in the yeah. I think bright so memory looks thing, cool. Like I'm kind of excited to check it out. I mean, it looks cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm just very skeptical. Sure, I, I think the skepticism Maybe that's is, not fair. is somewhat warranted. But why Yakuza Seven is is number one? And like that studio has a, a, an outstanding track record. They just seem to be getting better with time, and they're completely changing it up. Like brand new protagonists, <laughs> brand new battle system. Like this is this is like shout from the rooftop levels exciting. Like I don't know how it's not Yakuza Seven, and it's probably going to get so many more people into the series too. Yeah. But it's it only on so Xbox? No, it's not. Time, okay. Right? So that's what's frustrating about discussing some of this stuff is there's like so many little oh. stipulations that change depending on the game. So Yakuza oh, 7 God. is coming out on Xbox Series S and X, PC and PS4, and then later coming to PS5. Jeez. <laughs> what? Yeah. Welcome to next gen. Yeah. So... It, and also, isn't it like already out in Japan or something? Yes, it's already out in Japan. <laughs> right. So it came out in Japan on January sixteenth, twenty twenty January. Oh yeah, tw January sixteenth, and then huh. comes out on November tenth on Xbox Series S and X, and then November thirteenth on Xbox One and Windows. And a date has not been announced for PlayStation Five. What the hell? Yeah. So there's there's all of these weird things with these games, and 
if we made any mistakes, I apologize. Are, are these the only launch titles for the Xbox Series X? Because woof. Uh no, so I can exclusive right exclusives because I know oh, that like exclusive. shared ones. Yeah, so we have shared ones. Um, no, there's there's other stuff. So oh, okay, I'd have to compare the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X list because I'd have to see like what ex- is exclusive to Xbox Series X right. because you have things like Gears Tactics and Gears Five, but those are just sort of you know being brought over. And, and upgraded, presumably, from the Xbox One. Right. Um, you have things like Observer System Redux, which I think might be coming out on PS5 as well, but I'm not sure. I'd have to look at the list. But then you obviously have things like Watch Dogs Legion, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, and Call of Duty, but that's coming out on everything. So, But Bright Memory is exclusive. Yakuza 7 is next-gen exclusive. Tetris Effect, I think, is like a timed exclusive, and I believe Fuck. Falconer. I have a... yeah. I've I've My... called him up here. Okay. According to Newsweek, <laughs> uh, when was this written? Let's see. Uh, yesterday, two days ago, Newsweek. So the the Xbox Series X launch titles are Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Bright Memory, Dirt 5, FIFA 21, Fortnite, Gears Tactics, Marvel's Avengers, Observer System Redux, Tetris Effect Connected, The Falconer, Watch Dogs Legion, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. PS5 are Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Miles Morales, Astro's Playroom, Demon's Souls, Destruction All-Stars, yeah. Devil May Cry I Five. I forgot about Destruction All Stars. Destruction All Stars. Fortnite, Godfall, and Sackboy. Yeah, um, I was looking at Gamespot yeah. lists for launch titles, but there is overlap between the two of them. Yeah, so there's a little overlap, and then apparently the PlayStation Plus collections are also coming out at launch. Right. I didn't. I didn't like include those because twenty games. Yeah, yeah but they're all old. Um, so Xbox's list is longer, counting shared games, but PlayStation's I would say is more impressive. <laughs> Right. It it was more of a struggle settling on five games to pick for Xbox, whereas I felt like it was far easier for PS5. But yeah. uh, just to kind of refresh our memory, so we have Ranked Jack as a 7 at number 1 for Xbox. We seem to agree on that. We have Bright Memory, Tetris Effect Connected, The Falconeer, and RPG Time, The Legend of Right. Now, based on our previous conversation, I think RPG Time might be a strong contender for number 2. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It looks really charming. Like... You've you've played it, Ian, but I think it's it's done I enough think, visually to really warrant the this attention. This was the game I played. Okay, I played a game similar to this, but I don't remember what it was called, so I don't want to say definitively that I played this one. Um, but it had this kind of idea. There seemed to be no enthusiasm for Tetris Effect Connected, which kind of makes sense because Tetris Effect is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong, but I just it just seems like an updated version of it isn't really doing yeah, much. I, yeah. So is Tetris Effect yeah. last? I guess. And you guys said you'd rather play Falconeer over Bright Memory. Personally, I would. And I, yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad either way, you know. I think it is kind of telling that we don't have as strong of feelings on this list. I mean, it's not to be not to be unfair, but right. like I'm not surprised. Like sure. Xbox currently does not have a stellar launch lineup. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and like I've got a PC, so like sure, I've already got a better Xbox. Uh, so the ranking that we have right now is Yakuza Seven, uh, number one, number two, RPG Time: The Legend of Right, number three, Tetris, or not? No, I put Tetris Effect number three. Tetris Effect is not number three. Number three, The Falconeer. Mm-hmm. Number four, Bright Memory, and number five, Tetris Effect Connected. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, DMC five is really number two. DMC five is really number two. That's <laughs> if you take anything away from this conversation, DMC five is really number two. All right. So I picked three multi-platform games because it felt weird to leave them out. They felt significant enough. So I actually just kind of want to rank them amongst each other. As Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I'm su- I'm curious because I don't, I don't like none of those games. I really associate with either of you, and so I'm curious how you would rank I, them. I I'm probably well. I think if I get a if I get a video card, I'll have Watch Dogs Legion maybe. Mm. Um, but that's the one I'm interested in the most. And then Assassin's Creed Valhalla seems cool, and I'm I'm never gonna play that Call of Duty because I just I don't like Call of Duty really. Uh, yeah, I don't think I will touch that Call of Duty game. Um, sadly, I think the only Call of Duty I'll, I'll probably play anymore is uh, their their Battle Royale stuff with people every now and then. Not every now and then, very sparingly, actually. So I'd probably agree with Ian putting that last. Uh, man, I, I guess I just associate too much negativity with Valhalla regarding the the teases early on earlier this summer mm-hmm. where we we're supposed to see gameplay and they just never showed gameplay and i'm like really come on like show me show me some stuff like uh, this this feels like maybe you're not ready to have this game go at launch uh, as you'd like people to believe but and watchdogs has had some really funny trailers about who you can recruit and oh, how crazy they can be and it felt kind of unique in that way i just yeah, I got a torn because I can see either going either way. So I, I would want to, I th- one of those would be number one and two for me. I don't really care which it is. I probably if I if I'm given both for free, I'd probably try Valhalla first over Watch Dogs and then try Watch Dogs second. And what what, what what's driving that impulse? Do you think? So two things. One, uh, Assassin's Creed games. Uh, I've liked a lot of them. There have been some I haven't been into, but generally. Um, when they're good, I have a really great time with them. Uh, also, because I have a little bit of a renewed faith because I played that, uh, I got to go hands-on a little bit with that Immortals Phoenix Rising, which is also from Assassin's Creed developers. Mm-hmm. And I feel maybe, yeah, so I'm like, maybe it's been a while. I tried the first of the, what was not, was it Origins Odyssey? What was the first, the first one? The first was Origins went, oh, with, the, with the yeah. new. I tried that one and yeah. I was like, I'm not, I don't know if I really like this. I'm, I'm kind of maybe out on this. I'm willing to maybe enough times gone by to try that style of game again and see if if they the improvements they've made. Whereas Watch Dogs, <laughs> both, uh, I was the first one, I was kind of excited about his existence when it was revealed. Mm-hmm. But man, after people played it, uh, the, the the things I was hearing is like, man, this is, does not sound as appealing anymore. And it just has gone downhill from there. So it, it's unfair to be relying so much on word of mouth from other people without having hands on with it. So that's kind of where it's coming from. Just so I have, I've had some actual tangible good experiences with Assassin's Creed. So I'd give it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I, I feel like I could kind of 
lean either way between Lost Daughters Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla because I did really enjoy what I played of Odyssey. I think I would personally give the edge to Legion because it sounds the most unique out of the three. Like this, this play as anybody thing could be a mess and actually yeah, hurt the could game. Could backfire or but be really cool. Yeah, I, I think just the the idea of it is has interested me and I, I want to check it out. Whereas like, I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla is going to be cool. And I think kind of the Viking theme is neat, but it is going to be kind of an evolution of stuff that they've already done. And I think it looks good, but Call of Duty just looks like Call of Duty. Like I, I don't, I don't even know what else to say. Like you watch videos of it and it's sort of like the Sackboy thing where it's like, I know exactly what I'm going to get out of this. Uh, so I would probably go Watchdog, Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty. But Damian, if you're feeling Assassin's Creed more, I'd, I'd be willing to do that too. Uh, I mean, as I said, either it, it, it's not a strong enough feeling that I'd feel like I feel like it needs absolutely one. I think well, also what we heard from you, Ian. You yeah, and I would, I would put Ben's it in the same order as Ben. Yeah, yeah but I mean, so like I'm not chomping at the bit for either yeah. of them. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, yeah, Watchdogs has enough. <laughs> of the an appeal with the potentially the unique experiences you can have with it uh that i wouldn't mind it either yeah uh ian granny's only run you know in my mind (laughs) you're gonna buy every launch game and you're gonna throw everything in the trash but demon souls like just just (laughs) just to send a message yeah yeah (laughs) i guess the message i would be sending then is like do all these things you i paid you well You'll you'll upload it. You'll you'll form a community. Yeah, I'll show. Yeah. I'll make an episode yeah. out of it. Um, I do want to say to listeners, I'm sorry that that was a bit of a mess, but I think it kind of speaks to some of the the complications of next gen, and it's not just with games, but with how everything is working and and what exactly is happening has been confusing at times. I think Ben, the Amazon sales of Xbox One X. <laughs> Went up by 700%. I think people are definitely confused. Yeah. 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 Uh, Are we ready for some emails? Yeah. Are you ready for some email? Our first email comes in from Jovan. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Hey, allies. One thing I've said to myself time and again throughout the current gen is that games look good. Really good. So much that when the PS5 info was at the door, I was getting into Ghost of Tsushima and thought, where can we go from here? I wasn't as hyped. Nothing was sticking out for me like it did in past console pre-launch events. In lead-up to previous console releases, publishers tried to overemphasize the graphical leaps, but this time not so much. Games this gen like Uncharted 4, The Stranding, Gran Turismo have already achieved a high level of realism. Demon's Souls Remake is one of the few games that has stunned me, but I can't help but look at it and think this could only be possible on PS4. Obviously games will look better in the next gen, but what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far? Are you as impressed as you were from the PS3, Xbox 360 to PS4, Xbox One launch? Uh, what generation would you say had the biggest graphical leap and what console generations do you think hold up the most today? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, it's not every generation we can make the HD jump, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, there's a reason they're all touting the load times and the hard drives and stuff, because that is probably the biggest leap for this generation uh the rest is kind of just iterative like a piece like pcs where you get a better graphics card and more ram and a better processor and like games will look a little better and run a little faster and smoother Mm -hmm. um but as far as console load times you know the ssd stuff is is going to be a jump 
But I mean, we've talked about this a few times, but console generations, I think, you know, it's going to be more iterative, just like PC specs where it's like, it isn't that, that huge leap. Right. Until someone comes up with some kind of like quantum computing gaming console that can like simulate AI in some crazy ass way. Like, I think this is just kind of the reality of where we're at right now. The, the, the leaps will, well, it'll be steps forward instead of leaps forward as far as graphical fidelity goes. Um, just cause it's constantly being pushed, I think. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, on the flip side of that to kind of like Sorry. counter my own statement there, mm-hmm. you see something like the unreal engine five that's coming out that is doing lighting and subsurface scattering and all that kind of stuff, particles and all that stuff in a way different way that's going to make games run more efficiently. And so then you can make things look way better. Those are the kinds of leaps that we need to have things look much, 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 much better where you find ways to be more efficient and then pack more on screen. So yeah, I mean, I think Unreal Engine 5 and similar engines like that are going to show jumps like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Ian. And to me, it's not so much like changing the game as it is expanding on already good ideas, right? So I think Monster Hunter World is a very good example for me where everything that Monster Hunter... Well, not everything, but a lot of what Monster Hunter World did in terms of like, okay, now the environments are going to be seamless. They're going to be a lot denser with things. Um, The monsters are going to interact. Like, these are all great ideas. Now I want to see you take all those ideas that you've done and push them even further with next gen, right? Like, how much bigger can we make these places? How much more can the monsters interact with each other, right? And so... Don't load in and out of Astera. Just walk in. Right, and... you know. Another perfect example is I've played um, Monster Hunter World on PS4, both with the standard hard drive and then with an SSD, and it's night and day, right? And now yeah, you're yeah. getting that out of the gate. And so what you said with with efficiency, um, especially because the way that consoles have gone, they've kind of become more and more all-purpose machines. And the way that games are being designed, you're spending more time with them you know they want you to check in every day and so if we can make things more efficient and smoother and and less of a hassle i think i think it's like going to be a generation of of convenience almost in some ways hopefully and and you already see um like that's the beauty of a game console right like of proprietary hardware is like it's got some weird special capability that a developer can exploit in a cool way, narratively or design-wise, and like you've got stuff like Ratchet and Clank, that's been inspired in some small way by the SSD and the load times and stuff, in a in a gameplay fashion, and like using that technology to jump between worlds and stuff in a more seamless way. Um, that's the kind of cool stuff that comes with specific consoles and specific proprietary technology stuff. I'm looking forward to haptic feedback. I wonder if it'll just be a gimmick, but who knows? Yeah. And that that's something that you get with consoles having specific specs like this that you don't necessarily get on just iterative improvements in a PC gaming environment where it's just like, you can have more gra- graphic yeah. graphics. <laughs> like you get RTX and you don't, but otherwise it's the same, you know, like, whereas this is like, we did this because of this machine having this one feature and we thought it would be fun. 
So yeah, there's that too. I, I think, and this really has nothing to do with the, the, I guess, technical capabilities of the machine in the same, well, it kind of does, but we're not going into this new generation being like, oh man, it's just going to, it's just going to be more Assassin's Creed and, and Call of Duty and Watchdogs, right? Like it's not, it's not just going to be these things that we're sick of. It's like, we're getting so many great things started in this last generation and they're going to get a chance to continue, right? Like I think Spider-Man is a really good example of that. I think Horizon is a really good example of that. I think God of War is a really good example of that where it's like there, there's still more potential to kind of mine here and I'm excited to see where these things are going to go because they they sold me so hard on those first outings. Um, yeah, do God of War Ragnarok where you don't have to do slow walks yeah. through little yeah. crevices? Yeah. My God. <laughs> and, and, like, that's a really good point that you bring up, Ian, because it's like kind of the, the the big stuff, right? Like in terms of characterization and combat and stuff, it's like they nailed that in God of War. And so now it's just like yeah. the little things, right? The quality the slow, of life. Yeah, that, that they have to kind of button up, uh, which is exciting. Um, Damiani, you didn't really get a chance yeah. to speak there. I feel, well, for part of the question about the biggest leap um, in generations for, for graphics, I mean, for me, it's always going to be between the leap from the Genesis Super Nintendo to the Absolutely. N64 PS1 because oh, of yeah. 2D to 3D majority of games. And then the next leap from that, from PS1, X4 to PS2, GameCube, Xbox, like the fidelity, like seeing Matt, the first Madden game on PlayStation 2 compared to anything I'd seen before on a console. It's just like, what the hell? Yeah. This is ridiculous looking. Uh, and then everything that came after on all three of those platforms just blew away, like the basic looking, looking like oh, these like goofy looking simple 3D models they'd seen before just look mess. And they have their charm and the, the the you know their place, but on a technical level, just like such a big jump. And I think ever ever since then, like every generation after been has been the iterative. Like PS3 introduced like 360 PS3 introduced HD visuals, so like that was a decent bump up for everything because of resolution but as we learned over time through remasters it was like really well like a lot of it was was just up resing and some texture work is all it's been a lot of and early now, hd games look so ugly looks yeah. So terrible, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's just like yeah it's about it's about lighting it, it's about surfaces and textures mm-hmm. it's about like volume how much you can pack into areas like you know, how many npcs ai like how believable things are like it's just those things getting better and better Character over time animations yeah, yeah. So that things don't look like robots walking around. Like, oh, we have two hundred people on screen. They all have like the same walking animation. Right. Do you know that it's like it's that type of stuff for sure. And everything you were talking about the tail end that conversation uh, between you two. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it's it's going to become taken for granted the gains that like it won't be as easily discernible to the average person. They're just going to accept it. And the only only thing that's going to be is if you're not doing these new things and it sticks out. That's the only people are call attention to that it's like in movie making like you're doing a good job when people can't tell the like if you see, if they see the mistakes or they see the 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 the, the, the illusion shattered you've screwed up and that's all you're, I think you're gonna get here is that if you're not keeping pace with everything it, it's not that you're seeing giant gains is that you're gonna be viewed as inferior mm-hmm. so the, yeah but that's like the state of the technology that we're in you know like. Like you were talking about the jumps from Genesis uh, or Super Nintendo to 64 and then from 64 to PS2 and stuff like the technology was developing to such an extent back then that, you know, we were seeing those jumps. 
Whereas now, you know, it's so pervasive and it's so everywhere and it's growing in, in a weird way. Stuff is growing exponentially, but also slow enough that it's a drip feed. So we don't really notice the, the changes and the jumps that are happening day to day. Right. Um, it, yeah. I mean, if you go back to kind of early generation games to, to later generation games in this generation, there is, is a jump, but it is, it feels more gradual as you're saying. Yeah. But I also think like, just give me a good frame rate, please. Like, like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the other thing. Like nothing beats just a good artistic direction yes. and solid performance. Yes. Like the games that stand the test of time just have those two things. Right. Like you don't need to be crisis remastered and break 8k computers. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. in fact, I would argue against that, uh, as a benchmark. Um, yeah, to me, yeah, I mean, get wrapped up in the oh, back. What was it? Eight bit, sixteen bit, thirty two bit. Now it's four. Like, what are you? Are you two K, four K, eight K, sixty, yeah. one twenty, one forty four, three sixty? Let's go all the way up to three sixty hertz. Now it's like that's what it's become. It, it went from bits to frame rates and resolutions. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, our next email comes in from Ricky, who has a game for us. Hmm. This one nice. uh, might be a little bit contentious. Good. We've been too safe so far. You think so? This isn't a me episode of Frame Trap yet. <laughs> uh, video game acquisition dystopia. I've been marinating on the news that is the Microsoft cross Bethesda acquisition. This monumental 7.5 billion deal is not only on this on the scale of Disney cross Star Wars, but it's way past it. Microsoft Twice almost. has now essentially doubled its first party Xbox Studios for the better, but without having to make any new games themselves. Just now realizing this could mean an Arcane Studios Perfect Dark. Holy shit. It's got me thinking Whoa. this <laughs> is going to happen that. more and more within the game industry as it continues to grow. So uh, each of the following game companies in this, this uh, podcast game are up for sale. So I'm going to list a company that you, we're going to pretend they're up for sale. We're going to say whether you want Sony, Microsoft, or somebody else to buy them out. Whatever is a move that just feels like a good fit is more likely, or for any other reason, I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. All right. Uh, do we understand the game? Yes. Okay. Konami. Sony. Why? Uh, get it in there with the... Well, I, the weird thing with this game is like, especially with Konami, is like it kind of doesn't matter who buys it as long as it's not Konami. They just tell them <laughs> as long as it's not Konami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like anybody but Konami. But I guess I would say Sony for Konami just because Microsoft recently bought Beth or Zenimax, so it would kind of like balance the scales again. But like, yeah, the relationship Sony has with From Software grants me hope that the relationship they would have with a reformed Konami re silent Hill and Castlevania would pump out some cool stuff. But if anybody does it, I'm, I'm down anybody do it, please. I think it would be exciting either way, but I think the reason why you would say Sony in this instance is I think a lot of Konami's 
biggest hits are just more closely associated with yeah. PlayStation. That's not to say there aren't Xbox versions of these games. There absolutely are. But I mean, when you think about the original Metal Gear Solid, that is a that is a PlayStation game yeah. by and Silent large, Hill right? And, yeah. Silent Hill, that sort of thing. And so I think Castlevania. I think in terms of that announcement, that announcement being a Sony announcement kind of speaks to that history in a way that would be exciting. Not that it wouldn't be exciting for Xbox as well, but I just think there are a lot of PlayStation fans that grew up playing Konami games on their PlayStation, and so therefore it makes sense. The logo coming up out of the rocks, dude, for Symphony of the Night and Sukoden and stuff. Aha. So good. See, it just, it, it, it just feels right. Ah. What's up, Damiani? Oh, I mean... That 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 this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna say the best idea is that none of them buy them. <laughs> Konami keeps doing what they're doing, which is using these franchises for other other types of gaming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. That is, is the best who, option. Who, who's I think. who's to say that if we if they someone bought these games at a the things they make are going to be any good? You, you're you're just assuming they're going to be good. It's better than you're assuming the these combinations. That we have now. I mean, I mean, what if they all are terrible? And then Konami gets really angry about that and, you know, sues back or something like that. Or maybe Sony's like, you know what, this was a bust. We are we are shelving these forever. No uh, one can have not only can no one ever work with these IPs again, we want all the existing versions of all the other versions of these games delisted immediately. But you could say that you could say that about any of these acquisitions. You could go like, well, what if it turns out terribly? Oh, but but Konami is complacent. They they're just like what we're late they're lazy. They're not invested in shutting it down. They're just lazy, which is sometimes being lazy is like it's better than like being destroyed from existence in this case. But Damiani, I know I know you're trolling, but I can I can (laughs) I can I can can troll back with two letters. P T. Like that was Sony. That was sort of Konami. It's really easy to make a good demo. Oh, that's it's, true. My it's own not easy to make a PT though. Words. That's bullshit. It's not easy, it's not easy to make PT a PT. PT is a once in a lifetime <laughs> yeah, demo. The, no, no. That okay. Uh he actually uh, he has a lot of game or a lot of uh companies here, and so I'm not gonna do all of them, but I'm just gonna show We'll just go faster. We'll just go, yeah, faster. We'll go faster. Okay. All right. From software. Sony. Sony. Same reason, same thing that you said about Konami's pedigree with with Sony. From software, it feels right there because Bloodborne and stuff it was already yeah. exclusive. I mean, Bloodborne, Bloodborne is a good point for sure. Obviously, and they just Souls well. I don't, maybe I mean I know I'm biased in this regard, but like Souls just feels better on a PS4 controller, man. I'm sorry. I do think I do think you're biased there. <laughs> <laughs> I've played I've played Dark Souls three on an Xbox. I've played them on both. I've played them on both. Uh, that, that, that's whatever. I, I mean, they've already established the reverence they have for them and letting them do their thing. Yeah. Not yeah. to say Microsoft wouldn't do that. Uh, maybe I think they Microsoft would, but absolutely would. It's like why chance that when Sony's already demonstrated, they would they already have done that. That's why I think it's such an interesting Xbox acquisition, though. Like, if if Microsoft could come out and be like, you can only play Souls games on Xbox and PC, like that would be well, not just Souls games, obviously any any from software game. Hey, you know what I would, fine. Yeah, you know what I would say in that situation? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, a power move. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are we the thing is is like are we just gonna say Sony for all of these? Actually, wait though. No. Wait. Microsoft might be a better option for well, the real best option is from software stays independent. But uh 
Microsoft might be a better option than Sony for this one because they come out on PC day and date mm-hmm. um, a lot of times in that case. Whereas Sony is putting them out on PC, you know, some stuff later. If it was first party, they'd be real cagey about that. Whereas Microsoft would put it on PC in the same launch day. So, hmm, maybe, maybe Microsoft yeah. would be better for them. We are not going faster, by the way. Yeah, we'll go faster. We'll go. We'll <laughs> go sure. faster. Sega, Microsoft, oh, why? Microsoft. Um, actually, Nintendo. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I sure Nintendo think, would did, ruin it. Well, uh, yeah, but I'm it would be so Nintendo funny. Would <laughs> it would be very funny. I'm, uh, I'm very Dude, scared. They, the Nintendo buys Sega, and then they just put out an an advertisement that just says Nintendo. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I was thinking like they just they announced like a new game called Mario Kills Sonic. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's a mode in Smash Brothers, yeah. the new one. Yeah. <laughs> There's blood and gore instead of a final smash. It's a fatality. <laughs> why? Why What's did next? you say uh, Microsoft though, Don Manny? Oh. Uh, because Sega's uh, early days, like the U.S. team being like yeah. pretty responsible for Genesis' success. And some of those ties actually to the original Microsoft. Xbox, yeah. yeah. So it's like maybe if they can make that magic work again, like the potential for like Sega having involvement with maybe hardware or something is like the pipe dream. Whereas like if they're at Nintendo or Sony, like they'll just be software. Like they were never, you know, you yeah. never see something like that make Microsoft might even be like, let's, you know, you know, let, let, let's revive something. Like we'll, we'll change our systems from uh, just calling them Xbox. And we're done with Xbox name. We're calling everything like, you know, Dreamcast. The Dreamcast X, baby. Let's go. Yeah, why aren't these psycho billionaires just like putting the Dreamcast back out? Like Jeff Bezos, Amazon exclusive Dreamcast. Get it, buy a Tesla, get a Dreamcast. <laughs> An Amazon exclusive Dreamcast might make me quit the video game industry. Like that's that's too <laughs> that's too cold for uh... me. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna do one more. <laughs> Uh, we'll go faster we'll go faster no we're gonna do one more <laughs> we're, we're not gonna go faster we're too we're too invested <laughs> platinum games hmm, microsoft i think it's nintendo oh well yeah if if we can pick nintendo yeah, yeah, yeah. so nintendo. you can pick you can pick oh i thought sony, it was sony Mi- or no, microsoft you can pick sony microsoft nintendo oh nintendo then yeah yeah nintendo for sure i i think just the relationship that they've established yeah already yeah makes sense i would worry that they would be held back a little bit by nintendo but i don't know how valid that concern is just technologically i mean i I either want to see them have unlimited resources like or unlimited techno unlimited technological capabilities so like microsoft would be that choice for pc otherwise you know nintendo seems to have a lot of faith in them and uh well and sega as well so i trust them more to green light their projects and be like yeah make what you want to make make what you want to make where i wonder if microsoft at some point would get to like you know you gotta put multiplayer in this or something you know some crap like that mm. and it'd be like eh, derail that development how about this ben i'm just curious what other ones they put on the list sure let's just let's go down the list we can each say we can just say who gets it, and we don't explain why. Okay. Uh, Koei Tecmo. Actually, you know what, Ian? I'm only going to have you say it, 
Koei Tecmo. Oh, okay. Nintendo. Oh, okay. Capcom. Uh, uh, first gut was Sony, so I guess Sony, but maybe Microsoft. <laughs> Keep going. I'll go faster. I don't know why I'm blanking on this, but I, I feel like I'm just having a brain for it. Is it Team Eco or Team Ico? Eco. Team Eco. Eco. Okay. Sony, obviously. Okay. Play Dead. I don't remember what they do. That's Limbo, correct? So Microsoft. What? Plated is plated is uh, plated is Limbo and Inside, right? Oh yeah, they're great, Sony. I O Interactive, Hitman, Microsoft. Okay, Microsoft. Arc System Works, Nintendo, uh, Rockstar Games, Microsoft. You're just putting the stuff you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would play that on a PC. Uh, Bandai Namco. Oh, God, that's a tricky one. I guess Nintendo, <laughs> but or Sony. Uh, Clay. Ooh. Nintendo. Supergiant. Nintendo. Quantic Dream. Sony. Yacht Club Games. Ooh, Microsoft. Really? Uh, Nintendo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bungie. Microsoft. Microsoft, for sure. Okay. Codemasters. God damn, they, there are a lot of these. Microsoft. Yeah. Drinkbox Studios. Sony. Hello Games. Sony, because of their past together, I guess. Remedy Entertainment. Microsoft. Okay. Because ray tracing on that PC, baby. Well, and they have a history. Yeah, they have a history. Wait, they already own them, don't they? No. Who am I thinking of? 505 is owned by... You're talking about 505 or Remedy? Oh, Remedy. 505, yeah. Sorry. Wait. It's Remedy part of... Uh, Which Microsoft Dave thing Silver? that starts with a R did they buy? What kind of question? Respawn. Rare. rare as oh, well. well, rare already. Didn't they do respawn as well? No. No. Oh. Give that to Microsoft, too. <laughs> oh, is that the good one? Uh, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> I did not give everything I liked to Sony. Yeah, okay. Several of those I really like, and I gave it to Microsoft. All right. Our, our last email comes in from Matthew. Uh, he says, subscription models in games. Uh, I watched a movie on Netflix last week called Love Guaranteed, starring Damon Wayne Jr. and Rachel Lee Cook. It was a serviceable little rom-com, but poorly written. It feel, felt like a Hallmark movie. Uh, it gave I gave it a pass and almost immediately forgot about it because it's on Netflix. This is what they do, throw movies and shows on there to fill up, uh, up their lineup and keep people from canceling their subscriptions. How long before this happens on Game Pass? Yes, there are three to five huge titles a year and a handful of surprise indies, but how much of it will be filler? Netflix started great too, and then other services cropped up, and suddenly the pool of movies and shows was spread across half a dozen apps. Is Game Pass immune from what has happened with other subscription models? Thanks for reading this. If you did, I hope it spawns a good chat. Uh, it's absolutely not immune. In fact, <laughs> we were just recently talking about this uh, last night. This is uh, going to be a problem going forward because while all these acquisitions are good for Microsoft to add to the, li the library of Game Pass, like everything from the ZeniMax Studios are all going to go on there. 
I think over time you're going to see more and more third parties pull out their catalog or have it on a rotational cycle like you see on Netflix where you see not just like them the padding uh, uh, I'll get to the padding in a second but you see titles like Back to Future appears like every October on Netflix like Clockwork right. or September and it's just like come back next year it's on here for three weeks goodbye or a month see you next year that's going to be the future of that as for padding I, I, I feel it's harder to make games so it's not as easy I don't think it's as easy to make padding games i feel that indie games and smaller titles will be the ones they go after more and more that they'll find any indie studio who's willing to like can you make it how long can you make how fast can you make this game just make it put it out there so we can just say hey here's what's coming this month and it's like a nice list of games even though you've heard about like one of them out of like the 10 or 15 they'll add each month so i absolutely do think it's coming not to the extent you're seeing it on netflix and it's gonna contribute to a potential problem and down the line about whether or not people feel that they they're going to stay subscribed to game pass because they feel like they're not getting enough new quality games on there every month. I think I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that second point. I think that instead of trying to get cheapo indie games, I think that they would just pull things from a back catalog, like nostalgia plays into game pass more mm-hmm. which I, to me is the strength of keeping a game pass subscription like i wanted to check out the new no man's sky stuff and i wanted to do it on my computer and i was like oh that's on game pass sweet you know it's it, like some old game that i could just pull up and so i think that they could do that like you know keep you keep you on game pass by like suddenly bringing back you know like whatever i can't think of an example but like some cool old game the other, the other thing is like they can get tricksy with console stuff and just like change the pricing model to make it like cheaper if you have Xbox Live Gold or whatever. Too, they can they have a little more in their quiver as far as keeping people hooked than Netflix, maybe. But yeah, yeah. I, I see where this email is coming from, but I'm not sure it's exactly the same situation. Where I, I think about how like streaming services have evolved and like a big selling point for them now is original programming, which they've built up over time, right? Like stranger things is kind of the flagship show of Netflix, or you have like the boys on Amazon, right? Like those are kind of like have become the big ticket items. And I think what Microsoft is doing is they're kind of just sucking up all of these studios that, that they have ownership of. And so based on the number of of studios that they're acquiring and are, are acquiring and have control over they should be able to have enough quality on game pass to keep it relevant and i actually think that's why it has been so successful people aren't getting game pass just because it's like cheap or convenient people are getting game pass because it's cheap and convenient and they, there's a bunch of stuff that they want to play right there's consistently stuff big ticket stuff that they're interested in at regular enough intervals that i think that keeps um game pass relevant and if you think about all of the moves that microsoft has made recently hopefully that will only continue and and be more frequent i guess so and since games take longer to play you can drip feed more where like right. you need one one big title every month every other month and that'll keep people subscribed you know and that's a great point i mean if you think about like binge watching right is, is part of the the problem or it's like well i want to watch the show and it's like oh i just i finished it just today right you have right. like an 80 hour rpg you're not gonna binge that in one day 
right? It might take you months to finish. And so that would keep your, yeah, that's a very, very, very good point to bring up, Ian, for sure. All right, that is going to do it for Frame Trap. Uh, thank you so much to Ian Hink and Michael Damiani. Super fun discussions. If you would like yeah, good. to send in an email to Frame Trap, the email address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. Uh, if you've been hearing my cat howling on the other side of the door, <laughs> that's what that is. Um, and yeah, thank you again so much to my panelists. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, I will put the email address in the description of the video and it should be hopefully in the description of the podcast as well. Maybe not. But it's on the website now too. Oh, hey, there you go. Uh, and yeah, until next time.